Hey guys, has this lockdown made you lose track of your fitness goals? Are you starting your resolution for 2021 and you want to lose weight but need some help? Introducing my affordable workout plans for men and women with packages starting at $5. This offer can't be beat. Go to RadicalLatino.com to find out more. Hey guys, do you have a product you want more eyes on? Advertise with the Radical Latino Show, where over 10K podcast downloads and the number 25 spot on the 55 All Latin Podcast list, you'll want your product heard on everyone's phones and cars. Go to RadicalLatino.com forward slash contacts and start advertising today. Playing the Radical Latino Show. Ladies and gentlemen, put your hands in the air for New York's very own. Latino is taking you to another level. Radical Latino, you're buffing it. Welcome back to another episode, my people. Welcome back. It's your host, the Radical Latino, a.k.a. Mr. 25 on all Latin podcasts, a.k.a. Mr. Unsuable for the 22nd week running. What's going on? I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you guys aren't, you know, out here locked down again. I know that California opened back up slowly but surely. So hopefully everything is working out with all of that um and you guys are getting either you guys want to get the vaccine or not i don't know but shout out to y'all um want to give you guys a special shout out you know for uh for tuning in you know so want to give a new big shout out to all my new subscribers a big shout out to all my new listeners so today this episode is going to be very 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 special episode um I am very excited for you guys to hear it and for you guys to, you know, be a part of and stuff. But before we get into anything, as you guys know, I got, I got to get some updates. You know what I'm saying? I got to get some updates. So I know I've been mentioned in certain live streams. I've been mentioned in certain videos and uh, that tells me that I'm doing my job right. That's what it tells me. It tells me that I am actually out here, you know, doing what I got to do and making the impact because the things that I say and the things that I talk about is something that is not only beneficial for black and Latin people, but it's also beneficial for just, you know, individuals of just us individually, you know? So especially as Latin people who listen to me, I've, I've found that, um, a lot of, a lot of ya, you know, are resonating with my message. So that's, that's a big, that's a big thing for me. And I'm, and I'm glad, you know, and that's the reason why certain people are out here, you know, mentioning me on live streams and all this other stuff that I, it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. I could care less about that that tells me that i'm doing a good job you know what i mean so keep on doing that you know who you guys are you know that's that's what's up 
Um, another another thing I want to talk about. I did a Burr Martinez part three update video. You know, so I did a part three. Um, I wasn't to be honest with you, I wasn't going to touch it or further touch it a little bit more. But a lot of people were asking me to do a part three to do an update because a lot of people don't have Snapchat or whatever the case is. So I'll do, I did an update just um, recording and updating people on her current recovery and on her current condition. Now, this is the thing that I wanted to make the video, the, the, the second part of the video about the lack of media coverage. And that was a talking point that I definitely wanted to put out there. The lack of media coverage, the lack of media coverage in this situation is horrendous is damn near laughable and inexcusable the lack of media coverage in this whole thing pisses me off because if burr martinez was marcia um i don't know smith from boston massachusetts and something like this happened um it would have been all over the goddamn place. The NFL would have had a special headband. It would have been in like, you know, would have had some uh, weird color. You know what I mean? We would not stop he um, hearing about it. CNN would have had a 24 hour special report. You know what I mean? Just uh, justice for Marsha and all this other stuff. Um, people will be making t-shirts. We are Marsha. You know what I mean? The, the white feminist movement would have went crazy. The white feminist movement would have went crazy if this would have happened to a white woman, but it didn't. It happened to a Latina, and the way they see is Latin on Latin crime. It's something we always see, nothing newsworthy about it. And that's not the point that I, I want to emphasize on the news, the lack of news coverage. That's not what I want to emphasize, saying that we got to see our people downtrodden and stuff no it's the lack of awareness the lack of support that this woman burr martinez should have had a hundred k by the first week by the first week burr martinez should have had a hundred k for her hospital bills and expenses the fact that she is barely getting 80 right now is insane it's insane. The fact that other people out here who do stupid shit, who are probably are scammers or whatever the case is, getting a hundred thousand within a couple of hours is insane. You know what I'm saying? That border wall bullshit, that border wall, these motherfuckers raised a million dollars in less than a day. In less than a day, a million dollars. And it, it went actually, it went up a lot more than that. In less than a day. Now, Bird is over there recovering, moving her hands, her feet. She's trying to, you know, she's trying to um, get her body to breathe again naturally and all this other stuff. And the fact that she's hovering at 80? Come on, man. Are you serious? All those days up in the hospital? Come on, nah. It's insane. It's insane. So 
that's the that's what i wanted to emphasize that uh, that that part of the video that the lack of you know media coverage because it it was it's horrendous and it pissed me off it really did it really did piss me off so that's the reason why i want to emphasize on that um and also i'm working on other videos in the meantime you know what i'm saying i'm working on other videos in the meantime hopefully one will be out by tomorrow and um hopefully let's let's see how everything goes you know also um guys i want to give a shout out to tina i want to give a shout out to all the other people sharing the um, my uh you know advertising my workout plans shout out to you guys uh, i really do appreciate it you know um i i really do you know i really that really does mean a lot to me that now this is the thing guys if you're gonna purchase a workout plan if you're gonna purchase a workout plan please 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 put in the right email please put in the right email because when some of you guys email me back and saying hey yo you running a scam i didn't get no workout planning i said fam what are you talking about what are you talking about what do you mean you didn't get a workout plan oh i purchased this look i didn't get a workout plan what all right what's your email address because the only thing i can see the only thing i can see is the email address and who purchased what that's it that's the only thing i can see the email address and who purchased what all right my credit card processor is Stripe. I don't see nothing. I don't see the name. I don't see the address. I don't see the credit card. Nothing. Nothing. I just see what plan you got in the email address. That is it. That's the only thing I see. So when I get emails talking about, yo, you running a scam? I'm like, what are you talking about? I purchased it. What's your, bro? Hold on. What's your email? This is my email. And then when I go back, and see through Stripe, I've, I see that, yeah, you motherfuckers write the shit wrong. The email was uh, um, written down wrong. Who, first of all, who still uses Hotmail? What the fuck? And the thing is, in one incident, one incident, Hotmail was spelled with two T's at one point. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? So I'm like, hey, yo, fam, you wrote the email wrong. Oh, my, oh, I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry, my bad. That, yo, you right, you right. I'm like, hey, yo, here's your, here's your plan. Re-fucking re lax, okay, dude? Calm the fuck down. It's insane. It's insane. So in order for y'all to get the workout plan and everything goes correct, make sure your email is correct because that's how you get it. If you purchase a workout plan, make sure your email is correct. The way you get the workout plan is by two ways. Instant download once you purchase it, once you, you know, buy it. Instant download. And the second one is a email confirmation link that expires within 24 hours. Once you get those, it's two ways. If you fuck up on one way, your backup will be, get fucked up too. So... You know what I'm saying? Yo, all I'm saying is check your shit. You know what I'm saying? Check your shit. I already got three people. Yo, you running scams. What scams? What are you talking about? You fucked up on your email. 
know what I'm saying? You fucked up on the email. G Gmail doesn't have two A's in it. Okay? What the fuck? Yo, calm the fuck down. You know what I mean? And also, I gotta, I gotta hit up Stripe and figure something out because when y'all be putting wrong emails, it should it should be rejecting it. I don't know why it's not, but I'm gonna have to look into that. I'm gonna have to look into that. So. I want to give y'all, you know, an update on that. You know what I'm saying? Y'all people are crazy. Anyway, let me read the comments from last week, episode 126, Exploring Latinidad or Hispanidad, which was, which is actually the, the same thing, to be completely honest. So, Exploring Latinidad and Hispanidad. And the re main reason why I wanted to make that episode and title it that is because I seen I see a lot of people you know try to use the whole uh you know his um you know Hispanidad Latinidad angle to add their little their little racist bullshit into it you know what I mean I I've always see I always see that so that's why I wanted to like you know go in there and you know break that whole thing down right so Danielle says Hispanidad and Latinidad is almost the same thing. Hispanidad is Hispanicizing the world and Latinidad is romanizing roman, <laughs> the world by the romance culture, Spanish, Portugal, French, Italian, and their political, religious, and identical ways of being. Blasi, blasi, blam! Existing indigenous groups will never adhere to as an identity. We are equal and the same. No one is better or less than another group. 100% right. Shout out to Daniel. I completely, completely agree. Um, it's pretty much the same thing. It's just different, you know, um, definitions of it. But it's, listen, Latino and Hispanic, it's not a definition of identity that we should be adhering to the reason why i adhere to latino is because it's rejected by the white masses latino does have that pro cultural group cultural uh distinction in indigenous and black type of uh you know culture a little bit more than hispanic that's the reason why i use latino but we i shouldn't even be using latino whatsoever either you know what i'm saying we have to come together as a people and find out what identity we should be identifying as and making that identity a race classification in order to get a political agenda together those are the things that we should be doing so decanalized, uh, de de <laughs> Alexis says, I reject that term Hispanic too, bro. To be honest, I also reject them, the term Latino because the term Latino or Latin goes back to Roman Empire. Latin is the language spoken and the offset, blah, blah, blah. 100% true. I just explained why I do. Also, Hispanic was introduced in the 1970s census. One hundred percent true comic shout out to comic go subscribe to his channel comic great session going from point to point it feels very fluid and flows smoothly i gotta try that on my videos most definitely shout out to you i'm glad that i am of help 
in any way with your content. Now, the last comment I'm going to read is by Hermano Perspective. And I just got to give it a pause right here real quick. Hermano Perspective. Um, I've seen a fellow, a fellow um, person that I uphold very dearly and uh, do have a lot of respect for make a video uh, breaking down one of your videos, which made me want to look into you a little bit more. Pause. Pause. <laughs> want to make me look into you a little bit more. Now, I want to have a live stream conversation with you because I want to pick your brain out a little bit and find out either why you believe what you believe and what do you believe in what you believe, you know? So I wanted to, you know, I want to do that. So if you could email me or whatever the case is and my no perspective, hit me up. All right. So we could do a live stream or whatever the case is because I got some questions. You know what I mean? Anyway, so he says, I don't necessarily disagree with your views on Rancho and the cocaine addict or Chivo, the wanting to be white, one eighth black man, but I really do um, see no problem with being prideful of our Spanish side. Yes, we're a mixed people and have little um, and little African and have little African. We have on average, mainly referring to Mexican and Central America, comes from African slave. Indigenous people were never slaves over a hundred year period during the Spanish co um, colonial time, which that's not true. We are products of Spanish empire without Spain. There will be no Hispanic, Latino, Latinx, or even us speaking Spanish. I can also say without the indigenous or Africans, there won't be no Hispanic, Latinx or Spanish speaking people either. I could say that, you know, um, again, the Spanish did bring in influence into our countries that did shape our culture. The same thing happened with the natives and the African. We cannot exclude either one. We can't exclude that. Africans had an influence in our traditions and cultures. So did natives. But the fact that you want to just suck up, literally dick suck Spain is insane to me in your side. It's insane to me. Nobody is denying the Spanish influence whatsoever. All we doing is calling out the horrific things that they did. That's it. We just called out the horrific things that occurred and that they did has nothing to do with denying whatever side. That's all we're doing. We're calling out the horrific things. Were there some good Spanish people there? Yeah, of course. There were some good Spanish people there. But the majority of them were not it. The majority of them were not it. We have to just keep it real. That's all it is. That's all it is. We just got to keep it real. You know what I mean? We just got to keep it real. So Hermano just hit me up on that note. So I'm going to just um, move on from all of this. Also, um, 
I'm gonna again. I'm a, I'm a. I didn't do a live stream last week, but I'm definitely gonna do one this week. So just stay tuned with that. Now with let me just stop talking and just I, I needed to give you guys an update. Let me stop talking now. Um, this next the, the this person my 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 brother, you know my dude, uh my sale, wonderful guy. Um, I really really enjoy hearing his different perspectives hearing his point of views and hearing where he comes from Marcel is somebody that i was uh you know i i came acquainted by one of one of viva extina's live streaming shout out to viva you know she out here you know doing her thing shout out to viva i i really I really respect her as as a content creator individual and as a as a really strong strong female because she's actually out here doing 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 her living her best life <laughs> she's really doing she's actually doing her thing you know shout out to her so i i uh i i uh came across uh my sale on one of her live streams and he broke down the whole cuban thing and we get into this and we get into that in this interview so I uh I wanted to you know bring bring him in and actually have a talk and and see and see um see what's up because I really enjoyed you know his uh his perspectives on on things you know what I mean so without further ado this is the interview with me and myself enjoy Yo, what up my people? Welcome back to another episode. Now today, I'm bringing you guys a very special interview. You've seen him on live streams. You've seen him speak his multiple opinions on various topics. And today I have with you my brother, my Latin dude, Marcel. What's going on, bro? What's up, Brad? Good to be here, man. Thank you for the invite. Yeah, no problem, no problem. I, uh, you, you are definitely one of the people that I want to, I needed to interview, and especially, you know, twenty twenty one. I got to start it off right, and I got to start it off with somebody as, uh, as really, really, um, re really, you know, molded and, and and really influential, just like you, you know. Oh, well, I really appreciate that, brother. Thank you very much. Yeah, no problem, no problem. Hey, listen, if nobody else is letting you know, I'm letting you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Oh, I really appreciate the I really appreciate the feedback, man. I really do. No, no, of course, because the first time I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna be real with you. The first time I heard of you is through Tina's live stream. Right. That's the first time I've ever 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 heard about you, and you went in there and you started spitting facts about the Cubans in Florida. Right. And when I heard that, I used your clip. I used your clip in one of my podcast episodes and outside of the YouTube comments, I kept on getting like, yo, whoever that dude was, you got to get him for an interview, whatever, whoever that dude was, you got to get him for an interview. And I always had that in the back of my mind. So now that you became a regular on, on live streams, I was like, you know what? Let me reach out. Let, let, let me have him on because you do bring in a great, great, great deal of insight, just like truth teacher. You know, I tell him this all the time. Uh, both of y'all bring in some great, great deal of insight. Well, I'm glad that in this uh, short amount of time that I've been able to make a positive impact. Um, 
the only thing that I would correct about what I said about the uh, Cuban community in Miami is that I made the mistake of generalizing. And it, I, it, when, I li when I listened back to it, I was like, ah, you know what? I should have been a little bit more specific. Uh, and I could tell you that as of now in the Cuban community in Miami, there's a lot of rifts that are starting to form. So you have a lot of people who are not going with the right-wing narrative that are starting to break away from that. So on that end, that's what I could say from what I've been seeing is that there's a lot of people right now that are starting to question the information that they're being fed uh, as far as the political agendas that are trying to be advanced within that community. And when you really think about it, the political agendas that have been uh, advanced in that community for decades since they started uh, immigrating in mass post-revolution. So a lot of, I've been noticing that a lot of the people now are starting to just break away and form different opinions, sometimes to their own um, to their own to their own detriment because they're getting they're getting picked on. But I've been paying close attention to what's been going on, and I can't sit here and if I would make any opinions of that, I would have to be specific with the group that I'm going to talk about because again things are changing so th things are, things are changing down here um i don't know if it's for the good i don't know if it's for bad but things are starting to change down here and i think uh those of us who are in in contact with with not just the cuban community but you have a very big puerto rican community in in orlando uh you have a lot of dominicans that are spread all over the place um so it's interesting to see how so many people are being are being um, called to participate in the political process of these of these United States. Yeah, yeah, and I do see that, and I see that uh, Latinos and Latinas are are used as political pawns for the right and the left, you know. And unfortunately, uh, we're we're as Latin people, we're caught in the middle. Uh, the way I see it, you could disagree with me, but the way I see it is we caught in the middle because a lot of these, a lot of people use us as political shills and also political representation to lump the, our whole community into that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I think as far as uh, the Latin, com the Latino community in the United States goes, we are being used by uh, by multiple fronts in order to justify their political cause. Yeah. So, um, so you will see um, political ads from both mainstream political parties in Spanish trying to, you know, get our our people to vote a certain way or to think a certain way. You could see this on social media with the with the amount of information that's available. You could see this from certain news sites, and people will say, "Oh no, because of the media is always liberal." Where it really depends on the media that you want to consume. Some media outlets, yeah, are very liberal. Other media outlets are very conservative. It all depends on what it is that attracts the person the most. And in the Latino community, you're going to find people who are very conservative. You're also going to find people who are very liberal. And I, for one, I've always wondered whether that was a generational thing, a generational gap, whether that was uh, reflective more of the people that uh, came to this country many years ago or many decades ago or people as opposed to uh, recent arrivals. But I've been noticing that as there is no set pattern. 
it doesn't matter if a person's been here for 20 or 30 years. It doesn't mean it doesn't matter if the person just got here yesterday. You understand what I'm saying? There's going to be, yeah. uh, as far as from what I'm seeing, a variance, a variation of opinions regarding political, political, the political spectrum. So um, people that are more to the right, people that are more to the left, people that are yeah. more to the center. Yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely say that. I definitely agree. Um, so before we we get into the whole political um, spiel um, and 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 talk, uh, let's get to know you a little bit more better. So who who is Marcel? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am. Uh, I was born in New York. I was born um, from Puerto Rican and Dominican parents. I was raised uh, in in the suburbs of New York, so I was raised a lot uh, around a lot of uh, people who were not who did not look like me. Um, but in my house, we had a very strong uh, cultural uh, root, right? So I knew that my dad was always Puerto Rican, but my dad was very immersed in Dominican culture, and I grew up closer to the Dominican side of my family. I also, um, since the time I was a little kid, my parents used to send me to the Dominican Republic constantly. And I wouldn't just stay there for a couple of weeks. I would stay there for a couple of months. You understand? Um, yeah, same here. And, same here. I will. I will either go to Ecuador or Dominican Republic. Um, every was it three, four, four months during the summer and stuff. So yeah, right. I would. I would. I would go through. I would go. Um, for summer vacations, I would also go. Uh, if something got a little tight, you know, if if you know, if if there was like a problem or something, and my parents needed to figure it out, they would also send me. You understand what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, you know, Santo Domingo became became home it was it was i didn't even look at it as a home away from home or i didn't even look at it as second home i just looked at it as home and growing up in a majority uh white suburb i went through situations um that helped me understand not not let me put it to you this way i was forced to retreat into my roots really because of, yeah i was forced to retreat into my roots because i you know i I don't make a big thing out of it, but I did go through some racist shit. You know, I did go through some racist stuff uh, living living in the suburbs. And that forced me to actually, instead of, you know, knowing where my parents came from and that I would go there uh, often, it started, it, it made me look more into my roots. Yeah, and, it, well, and, it, and, and I used you, that. I, uh, go ahead. Would you, would you mind... Um... You know, give us uh, giving us an example of what um, racism you experienced. You know, some people will say, "Oh, you're being a victim," or whatever, uh, or whatever the case is. I don't see it that way. But um, again, I'm not trying to call nobody out. Um, so, what, 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 uh, what would you, what, what happened? Would you, would you mind expounding on that? Yeah, like you know, like um, bullying. You know, they would, you know, they would make fun of, especially like if my parents didn't cut my hair for a long time, they would, um, they would look at like my hair and they would say, oh, you know, you got chia pet hair. What are you? Are you, are you half an N word? Is your mother an N word? You understand? Um, you know, what, what, where are you from? And I was like, well, I'm from here. I'm, I was born here. I'm an American. No, you're not. No, you're not. You, you may have been born here, but you're not from here. Yeah, you know, yeah. and they and they would tell me things like get back on my banana boat or get back on my plantain boat. Which, interestingly enough, at that age, I didn't even know plátano had a word in English. 
And <laughs> I, 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 I didn't even know that there was such a there was a word for platano in English. And it, to see these, you know, lily white, true blue American kids actually know that word actually shocked me because I didn't know what that word was. And, you know, and they would threaten me. They would tell me they would tell me they would they were going to come to my house and burn a cross on my lawn. Um, so. Wow. That, all of this, all of this from a, from a knowing that you were Latino. Yeah, well, and, and yeah. back in those days, I mean, the demographics of the, of the place where I grew up now, it's it's a lot more mixed. It's no longer what it was back in, in the late 70s and, and early 80s, all throughout the 90s. It started from about 2000 on, even before then, probably we could say the late 90s, the demographics of that area really started to change. So, I mean, if you go there now, you have a lot more um, Latin people, you have uh, continental African people, you have Afro-Caribbean people, you understand? And everybody has like their little niche, you know? And so, you know, we have, you know, over there, um, there's like, you know, they got plenty of Latin supermarkets now, they have Dominic Dominican bodegas now, they have um, West Indian markets now, you understand? So things really started to change, but when I was a kid, it wasn't really like that. You understand? It would be me, yeah. it would be me and maybe one or two other Puerto Rican kids and a couple of the black kids, and then that was it. You understand? Everybody else was was yeah, yeah, yeah. was was, um, was white, and so I went through that. And after after a while, I started, you know, um, getting really into that because of that. And I really should thank those kids because uh, after that, I started getting really interested in my roots. And, yeah. and when when I would go, especially when I would go to back to the Dominican Republic, it started becoming something of a almost like in a religious experience because you know here I am I'm going I'm going to this country that maybe earlier on you know I looked at it a certain way but now because of the things that I had been going through personally um in the in the in suburban New York I was like well wait a minute you know what I'm 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 pretty special you know, because this is a special yeah. place. This is a magical place. You know, like yeah. I remember, you know, I would, they would take me to El Parque de la Independencia. I would see El Altar de la Patria. I would go to El Conde. And I, I, I would be surrounded with all this culture. I remember, you know, Lo, lo Diablo Cajuelo. And in mm -hmm. La Capital, in the capital, in some, I know the correct word is Cojuelo, Diablo Cojuelo. But in, that, in La Capital, people say Diablo Cajuelo. So I would see, you know, yeah. these these um i'm not sure do you know what those you know who those are right no i actually they, i really don't it, it they come out during carnival so you see them for you see them during february you also see them in august got the okay. carnival and the carnival in august which is which is uh probably one of the most uh golden memories that i have as a kid and gotcha. basically they, they they dress up in 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 these costumes Right. And they have these masks on and they walk around with um, in Puerto Rico. They call it La Vejiga. And this is in Puerto Rico? No, this is in the Dominican Republic. Oh, OK. And it's 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 made out I've of. Uh, that, dude. Yeah, I'm I got I got I got I got to show you pictures. I mean, I never dressed up as a Diablo Cajuelo, but in in my cousins did. They all did. And, you know, especially during the carnival in August. For the 16th, the uh, yes, you say that, Agosto, 
you know, you would see these kids dress up in these extravagant costumes and they would have these devil masks, a lot of them. But they wouldn't be like devil masks that you would see here for Halloween. They would be really uh, ornately made up. You understand? Yeah, they would yeah, have yeah. They, they would be very vibrant the only, colors. The and... only thing, probably the only thing I said but was I was in Ecuador. Again, you know, we're all Latinos, but we have different cultural experiences. Uh, in Ecuador for, for uh, New Year's, what we'll do is like a burn. Uh, it's like a pinata, but it's not a pinata. It's like a man-sized big you know straw wooden pinata and we'll put wishes inside of it and pe little pieces of uh, a paper stuff it with fireworks and stuff like that and and mm. at 12 o'clock we'll set it on fire you know mm. so you'll you'll just go around different houses with like big bonfires you know what i'm saying and that and that's en año viejo you know so that's how we'll we'll celebrate it i've never i don't know the the times that i've been to the dominican republic i've never seen that that's weird <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 a very rich cultural tradition. It's a very and they you know they walk around with a stick and at the end of the stick they have la vejiga, which I think they're made out of intestines, of like animal okay. intestines. Okay? okay, and they hit you with it. So and and you always when they come after you, you have to run away from them so they don't hit you with it because I'm gonna tell you something. Yeah, of course. Those la vejiga that they use, that shit stinks. It smells really bad. <laughs> so if 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 you get hit. A number of times you're gonna have that stench on you, and you're not gonna be able, you're not gonna be able to get it off of you. You understand? Yeah, you're yeah. gonna have you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna you're gonna have to. They bathe you with um to get the stench off. They bathe you with something called jabón de guava. I don't know if you know what that is. No, I it's know. A, it's, it, jabón de guava. That's you know that everybody yeah. who's Dominican. That's the type knows of shit mechanics use to get oil out of their hands. <laughs> man, let me tell you something, man. Sometimes when there was no other soap. That was the go-to soap, bro. Exactly. That's what it's we, like, they, yo, you want soap with a little bit of sand and rocks in it? Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, I mean, the, you know, like people people would use like jabón de cuava to do their laundry. You understand what I'm saying? But yeah, no, when, listen, when I'm you, not going to lie. When, um, I used to actually take showers with with that soap, you know, when, you know, when there weren't other options. You know what I'm saying? I used to right. I used to I used to come out a different color every time I took it. <laughs> because yeah, that I, takes everything out, yo. Yeah, like you know, like I would, you know, we would when you come from humble beginnings, this is the stuff that you would use. So um I was getting exposed to all this culture and when I went through all that, you know, that stuff that I was going through, it made me look at things through a different through a different light. And I started realizing just how special um Dominican Republic was as I got older. And I started traveling to Puerto Rico. That was completely. That just. That was. Some, that was also some life changing thing. For, that was a life changing thing for me. You know what I experienced in Puerto Rico. Uh, you know a lot of it was good. Some of it was bad. You know because I did go through some. Uh, a couple of instances of xenophobia in Puerto Rico for being half Dominican. People knew who I was. People knew wow. who my dad. People knew who my dad was, and people knew who my dad was married to. So they knew who, what my other half was. Right. So mm -hmm. I did go I I did go through some stuff in 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 Puerto Rico. But through, with time, I started learning ways of um, of dealing with that. So anytime anybody would question me. I already had my uh, little litany prepared, yeah. and I would, <laughs> you know, and 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 I would I would actually make them make them look and feel like shit, you yeah. know, because, you know, I. I forced myself to study this stuff. I mean, this was, yeah. and I enjoyed so, it. So, so let me, let me, let me ask you then. Um, 
studying your history, studying mm-hmm. your culture, your Puerto Rican and Dominican, beautiful history, beautiful culture, mm-hmm. uh, beautiful people that you that that you come from with right. a a beautiful beautiful you know outcome of certain people that were either in power or who wanted to take power or whatever the case is, you know, what pride did you get from knowing all of that? And what pride did it give you from saying, okay, these racist people back home were telling me all of this stuff. And now that I'm here, I'm actually learning where I'm from. That's actually not 100% true, you know? So what kind of pride, what kind what kind of, cause I know, after you learned all of that, your walk was different. Your whole, your whole mentality was different, right? So, what, what, what did it give you? I mean, it it, get, it gave me a sense of pride, and it was a double pride because I, I, you know, I come from two places, right? And I come from two places whose histories are very intermingled with each other. So, it gave me. I mean, it gave me as much as I could handle because it gave me a double responsibility as well, right? So not only would I have to study history uh, from the Dominican Republic, I had to study history from Puerto Rico. And now studying those two histories, I had to go study the history of Cuba because these three countries are very, their histories are very, very intertwined. Personally, what it did for me was it gave me back my language because even though I spoke Spanish first and in my house, Spanish was always spoken, it came to a point where if they would say, if, if my parents or my family would say something to me in Spanish and I was in, in, in here in, in, in the States, I would respond to them in English. Mm. When, I started, when I started immersing myself in, in this history and in this, um, in, in, in this environment, that I started, that I started really building from nothing. I mean, not from nothing because I had my parents, but yeah. you know, my parent, my parents weren't exactly the most patriotic people. You yeah, understand yeah. what I'm saying? They they didn't really push the culture like that on me. I mean, you know, we had our dietary preferences, um, and you know, my 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 mom especially would be vocal when it came to certain things, but it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like they both quartered me somewhere in the house and be like, listen. You're Puerto Rican and Dominican, and you need to be proud of that. No, they never did that with me. They never pushed any of that on me. I was the one that I started piecing everything together. um, They didn't Antonio Batista you like this is how you do it. Well, see, well, 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 I mean that 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 poor individual isn't even representative of real patriotism or real nationalism. We could get that. We could get we could get into that later on. But no, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't force it on me. Uh, and I'm I'm kind of like I'm gradual, kinda, It was a gradual thing that you it did just it like when I was hitting when I was hitting my teen years, you know, I just instinctively started speaking more Spanish, you know, because obviously when you, when you go back to the Dominican Republic, you know, you got to speak the language. Of course. Uh, but 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 this time I started taking more mental notes because sometimes when you say something it's like it's like it's like a muscle right you you if you don't use a muscle in a really long time it's going to take time for you to come back and it's going to take time for you to develop it right 
So yeah. I would go and I would spend two or three months over, like, let's say over a summer vacation. So I would yeah. literally be there for three months. And it would, I would, it would be hard for me in the beginning because I was always speaking English. But then as time went on, it was easier for me to, you know, soltaba la lengua. And I was able yeah. to, to, to speak more know, of the language. Being Dominican and Puerto Rican and knowing more Spanish, I think you probably went through an ordeal with the R word. You know what I mean? El caro, arroz. Well, yeah. Well, well, we can get into that. I, I was my my accent. I mean, now my accent is more Puerto Rican, but when for the great majority of my life, my my accent was always Dominican. Yeah. And when I started traveling to Puerto Rico uh, in into young adulthood, and I would hear like my family over there instead of saying carro, they would say cajo. Mm -hmm. You know, instead of saying ajo. You know, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? I'm like, yo, wait a minute, this is new. And I would ask my dad about that. And I'm like, you know, I would go to my own man. I was like, papi, mira, porque pronuncian la así? You yeah. know, and and he he would just look up into space. And I'm like, and he would be like, ah. it's not only the R, but it's also the S, right? Well, in in Caribbean Spanish, we don't always pronounce the S's. Yeah. The way they they would do in other countries. That's what I love. That's what I love about Caribbean Spanish. It's 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 so creolized. You understand what I'm saying? And you know the fact that we and every Latin American country I believe has it has its own dialect. You understand? And when you get a Puerto Rican, a Dominican, and a Cuban in the same room speaking to each other, I mean, it's just you just said that, you know when I was a, you know when I was a young man and I would see that I would just be like in awe because. Those accents are some of the most beautiful accents I ever heard in my life. You know, so I, when I was growing up, I was exposing myself to more and more. I started changing uh, the music that I would listen to. Now, all of a sudden, I was listening to more salsa. I was listening to more merengue. Whereas yeah, a few years before. More, right? <laughs> I, I, let me tell you something. My, my mom would put on uh, like merengue when she would be cooking, right? Yeah. And I would be in my room listening to hip hop. I could not stand it. I just couldn't stand it. But uh, again, as I started getting into the into the into the culture, I heard a song by Celia Cruz, uh -huh. and it when I heard that song, I liked it. And I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, wait a minute. I knew instantly. I'm like, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. I'm actually liking this song. Uh huh. And you know the. I listened to it. I liked it. I tried yeah. not to think too much about it, but yeah, like, what song was it? La Dicha Mia. It's oh. a, it's a, it's a regular, it, it, it's a regular yeah. song. It, it's just, it's, yeah, a, it's yeah, just yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's. To, when you listen to it now, I mean, there's nothing like. I thought it was no, like, it's not like you're listening. Something like that, you know. <laughs> it was. Uh, you, you thought it was like what? Like La Morena no tiene tumbao. Oh no, that's more recent. This yeah. this song came out. I would imagine this song came out in the late seventies and early eighties. It oh, wasn't. Okay. It wasn't. Uh, like I said, it's just a regular salsa song. But there was something about it that got my that got my attention, especially when the chorus said "esa dicha." And I'm like listening to it. And I'm like, well, this is really, this is really deep. I don't, I don't know what it was about that song. So, the following week, 
um, I started going through my parents' old records and I found the tape. It was like a mixtape, you know, like the old school mixtapes where you record like different songs on them. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, it was like, um, and it said merengue on it. It's, I think it was like merengue 88. So I started listening to it and I was like, man, that shit's great. So I started listening to all these songs that I had, I had heard when I was a kid, when I would go, especially when I would go to Santo Domingo, but I never really paid attention to, never called me, never, I was never like, oh, that sounds so good. But now I'm listening to it now as a teenager and I'm like, this is, this is great. Yeah, and I just I I started to want more and more and more, yeah. and that put me that also helped me develop more of an identity. Yeah, knowing knowing that you come from two you know Puerto Rican and Dominican, do you find the Puerto Rican Dominican slang similar or different? Because Puerto Ricans be like you know I bendito, abombao, you know stuff like that, and Dominicans be like que lo que es, como está tranqui, tú sabes, and all this other other stuff. So. Do you find it the same or, or, or way different? It's not way different. Is it different? Yeah, but it's not way different because I started seeing that um, a lot of Dominican slang actually started being used in Puerto Rico. For example, the word that every Dominican uses to describe every goddamn thing, vaina. Oye, esa vaina. That's true. Mira, no, that's, that's true. Ecuadorians use it. Mexicans use it. Yes, a vaina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Esa, yes, a vaina. And mm -hmm. in, in Puerto Rico, I started noticing that a lot of people started to say that. A lot of people were starting to use that word. Que mira, que esa vaina, que yo, que. And I would be like, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, there's, there's, there's like, a, there's like a, a, the cultures are kind of bleeding into each other. But I mean, when you really look at it, the culture is extremely similar. I keep saying Puerto Rican, Dominican, and Cuban cultures are very, very similar. But in my case, regarding Puerto Rican and Dominican culture, um, there were times in my life because of the things that I had gone through that I thought that they were at odds with each other. But then as I got older, I started seeing that you can't sit there and let other people's fuck-ups, you know, or other people's ignorances define what it is that the culture is really about. You got to look past all that. So I, I don't see the big, big difference between between both of them. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I'm half and half. I'm saying that because objectively, I don't see it. Are there differences? Yes. Are there differences in the slang? Yes. Are there differences in, in the phrasing? Yes. Are there differences in the food? There's some, there's a little bit, yeah. a, a little bit of differences, but yeah. I mean, you're, you're 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 literally talking about two countries that are separated by little, yeah, they're very close to each other. You understand? And when you start, again, when you start looking towards the Cubans, it it's like holy shit, they got a lot of the same things that we do. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you, you understand? So, it again, it it looking at it from that from that point of view, it really helped me take on an identity that in retrospect, I wish that I, I, I should have came, I should have been more aware earlier in life, but at the same time, you know what, you know, coming into it in my teenage years and getting really immersed in it. I mean, that's not bad. I could have, I look at it. I'm looking at it this way. I might never have seen the beauty of it. And I know people like that, that they just don't yeah. appreciate, they don't appreciate their ancestry like that. I, I think, I think you just stumbled into something very, 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 um, 
interesting because as Latinos in, in America, first, second, third, fourth, fifth generation, and so on, I think it's very important for us to know that cultural impact and that cultural strength that we have from our parents' homeland. And I think it comes from our parents to teach us. Sometimes, you know, other, sometimes life gets in the way, you know, um, other things happen where they won't be, you know, there to teach us as much as they should, but we should at least take it upon ourselves to actually learn, to learn where our parents come from, because that's still part of our history and the, the strength and the power that comes with that, you know? Absolutely. And like I said, my I'm a first generation, right? So Same. I was my, yeah, so you're first generation too. So we're, you know, we're first generation. And I grew up in an area where I was pretty disconnected from from the cult from the cultures of which I hail from because I grew up in like I said I grew up in a white suburb yeah I didn't I didn't have the opportunity to grow up in New York City so I mean we would go to the city frequently but yeah. it's not the same growing up outside of outside of the neighborhood outside of, of the course, hood of course of course I and that's why I say I had to go ahead and build up what it was like putting a puzzle together so i i already you know it was like identifying the pieces that i already had that were present and then i just started building upon it and i remember as a 15 16 year old kid going into the into the library and i would just start pulling out every single book that had to do with puerto rico and anything that i could find in the dominican republic so i was mm. pulling out encyclo i was pulling out encyclopedias i was pulling out um anything that I can find. And it was actually in my, in my, in the library of the high school that I went to, that I pulled out a book that talked about, um, the four most influential Puerto Ricans in history. So I, I remember I, I pulled out the book and it had like a, a large, uh, it had like a Puerto, like a drawing of a Puerto Rican flag, like a really cool drawing, uh, like in watercolors. Right. Yeah. 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 And, and, and it had the illustrations of Jose de Diego, Luis Muñoz Rivera, Jose Celso Barbosa, and Luis Muñoz Marín. Who Luis Muñoz Marín was the first governor, the first uh, democratically elected governor of what would become the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico. Okay. Uh, under U.S. rule, and again, I grew up closer to my Dominican side of the family, but there was really no information at that point about the Dominican Republic outside of what I would read in encyclopedia. So, you know, the encyclopedias would basically give you the information, the demographics and so on. And, and you know, like a brief history, but it, it, this book actually started talking about some influential people that I had no idea even existed. So I'm yeah, like reading about, I'm, I'm reading about these people and you know, it, this, you know, um, I started reading about Jose de Diego and Jose de Diego was uh, a Puerto Rican independence activist. So he wanted Puerto Rico to be independent. Yeah. And Luis Muñoz Rivera also wanted Puerto Rico to become an independent country. Jose Celso Barbosa wanted Puerto Rico to become a state. And Luis Muñoz Rivera, who was Luis Muñoz, uh, Luis Muñoz Marín, who was Luis Muñoz Rivera's son, wanted the so-called Commonwealth. 
And okay. I would go to my dad. I'm like, yo, Bobby, what's what's up with this? Like, do you know about these guys? And my dad's like, oh, yeah. Like, he would look at the book. He's like, where'd you find this? I was like, I found it at the library at school. Mm. And he would just look at me and he was like, you're reading about this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know, and my old man would just like look at me and he's like, the hell you want right. to know about this? <laughs> no, he, yeah, my, my, no, my old man would just be like, all right, you know, you know, basically like the saying goes, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then he found you, you know, practicing speeches in front of the mirror, right? <laughs> no, let me stop. <laughs> no, actually, you know, he, he, no, actually, he noticed that I was starting to speak more Spanish in the house. Ah. And it kind of, it, it kind of, it, it kind well, it kind of pissed him off, to be honest with you. Really? It pissed, yeah, it pissed both my, because you got to understand something. My parents, in certain, certain respects, they wanted me to assimilate, right? Oh. And I would, I was, and it wasn't, it's not like my parents are sellouts. It's just that perhaps in their minds, they thought that I would have a better life or it would be better for me. If I went ahead and I just assimilated more, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, and, you know, again, it, in my teen years, I put a stop to that and I just did a complete 180. And now I started immersing myself. And I think at first they were a little resistant to it. But I remember now all of a sudden the, the trips to the Dominican Republic became became more impactful. Really? Now when I would now when I would go to El Parque La Independencia, I wouldn't just in, enter it as a small kid. Um, you know, as a small kid, uh, you know, just looking, just get, looking at it, you actually go in just, there just, with, a, with a purpose and, and knowing that uh, something with, important happened there. It's with a reverence. Okay. With a, you, I walked in there with a reverence. When when the mm -hmm. old heads would talk to me about Dominican history, instead of ignoring them like I did sometimes when I was a kid, I would shut up and I would listen. And I would mm -hmm. listen to the words, the words that they used, the expressions that they used, the knowledge that they were giving me. And when I went to Puerto Rico, my dad finally decided to, you know, that he wanted to take us all to Puerto Rico when I was around, uh, I don't remember if I was 16 or 17 years old. That trip completely blew my mind mm. to you know, to be with my old man, I, you got to understand something. My dad wasn't the most, um, he was always working. My dad did what he had to do to hold it down. Both of my parents were working parents. I did a lot of growing up on myself. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't have, and I'm not talking ill of my parents, but because of their insistence, on meeting every single one of their financial obligations and to make sure that we had a roof over our head, to make sure that we had food on the table, that we had clothes on our back. My parents, man, they went the extra mile. They were the greatest providers. Yeah. But I had yeah. but because of that, I never really got to see them and I had to do a lot of growing up on my own. So yeah. when my old man took me to Puerto Rico. And I was, by that time, I was already going into young adulthood. 
you don't understand what that was like for me to be on my own man's home soil with him in his environment, seeing where he grew up, seeing where he, where, you know, the house that he grew up in, where he stomped, where he bled, where he cried, where he was happy, where he sweated his fucking tears. You don't understand how that was for me. Coming from a coming from a mindset where all I really knew was Santo Domingo, but to be in my own man's stopping ground, to see how he reacted to an environment that he hadn't been in in years, there was a rite of passage. That I had. There was a rite yeah. of passage that I had to go through. It was through. like impactful for you. It was impact, and I had to go through a rite of passage with him. Mm. I'm not gonna get into it. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Because that's that's for me and him. But there was there was a rite of passage that I had to go through. Yeah. That I don't think any of my that, that I don't think any of the other siblings had to go through because I was the one that was there with him at that time. Yeah. Mm, that's powerful, bro. That's powerful. So so that right there shaped the way you view not only yourself but the outside world, correct? Let me put it to you this way. If I spent all this time, you know, in the Dominican Republic, look at it as building a pyramid. So I'm building a very solid base and I'm working my way up, working my way up, working my way up. And you know, as you build a pyramid, the, it, it gets more narrow to the top. Of course. That trip to Puerto Rico was me putting the final piece on the top. Mm. That That's what it was. After that, after that trip, there was no looking back anymore. I, I already knew that I was, this is who I was, this is what I was, and now we're moving forward. And there's nothing that I'm, that's nothing that's going to stop me from learning more and from immersing myself more. Mm. So I have a double, I have, I have, I have, not only was I blessed with being born from a Dominican womb, I was blessed by by being that Puerto Rican seed that went inside that Dominican womb and grew. Got it. When I under when I understood how fucking special that was, that's it, man. There ain't no looking back from that. Yeah. What was I so what, what, what was what, what, what was I supposed to do after that? Turn around oh, and 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 you know and carry the American flag and no disrespect to the American flag. What was I supposed to do? Go ahead and carry the American flag and do the I pledge allegiance and the Star Spangled no, 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 Banner no, 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 and 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 this land is my land. No, no, my lands are in the Caribbean. There was no there was no looking back from that anymore, man. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Of course, of course. Jesus, man, you make it, you making me want to go back. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so after after. Now I'm I'm a, I'm gonna just fast forward for a little bit. After mm -hmm. that experience, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. you started to um you know see yourself and the world differently. Um, some people will call what you practice brujeria. You know, that's that's what some people will call it. I don't call right. it that necessarily. You know, um, I call it spiritual spiritualism or whatever. Um, I, but mm -hmm. what what is the right word? The right word is orisha or. 
Yeah, um, Orisha, you could call it Orisha. Okay. The Afro, the Afro Cuban variant would be called. Uh, some people would just call it Lukumi. Okay, Mukumi. Lukumi. Orisha. Oh no 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 no. Lukumi. But if you if you look more towards the the native Yoruba spirituality, actually they call it Isheshe. Isheshe basically means tradition. Yeah. Okay. So I um so just a little uh, background on my my aunt from my Dominican side. She mm. used to practice Santeria, right? She never right. called it Santeria. She called it something else. But I call it Santeria because that's what my mom told me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my mom, Pentecostal, you know, hardcore. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, she saw visions and all that, spoke to God, all that, right? Right. So that's what she called it. She called it Santeria, but my aunt called it something else, you know. Um, and I never called it Santeria in front of her face, by the way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I, I, but I did see my aunt. I'm not going to say perform, but do certain things that nowadays will be, will looked as questionable from, from a science point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I saw her do things. I saw her say things and I saw, I saw things happen, happen mm-hmm. that in a science point of view would seem either impossible or there has to be another explanation for for what's happening. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I come at least knowing some parts of that. Again, I don't know 100% on the practice, nor do I know 100% on the execution of, of the practice. But what I do know is that mm-hmm. it's not from the devil. It's not something demonic or evil. That's something I do know. What I do know is it's a spiritual system. And the right. reason why I know that is because I got that information from my aunt and also I got that information from books. Just mm-hmm. learning a little bit more about it, right? Now... Right. Let me let me ask you. When did you start um, in the spiritual tradition? When did you start actually being interested, and when did you start getting involved in it? Late teens. So let me let me let me preface it by saying this: When I was a kid in Santo Domingo, um, there used to be a place called, and it's still there. El Mercado Modelo. El Mercado Modelo was a place that it was in, it, it's on La Avenida Mella, okay? And it has these stairs, this big stairway. You have to climb up these stairs in order to get into it. And it, when you walk into it, it's like all these souvenir shops. So you have like um, uh, uh, Altesanía, you know, different paintings, just like all these different uh Think of it as kind of like a flea market, right? When as soon as you walk in, you just see all this culture and all this art and all this stuff um, that you would buy souvenirs, right? When you walk towards the back, that's where they had all the botanicas. 
So when we would exit via the back exit, and I would see the botanicas, and I would see the stuff with the Catholic saints and the statues and all these plants, um, you know, and these people who were so-called curanderos, brujos, this and that, it started attracting me. But I, again, like with the culture when I was young, I never gave it much thought. Never gave it much thought. As I started getting older, I started becoming much more spiritual. And, you know, I, my parents, I mean, I was raised Catholic, but my parents never were not uh, church going people because again, they were always working. And plus, even when they weren't, it wasn't like an obligation that we go to church. But I, as um, out of my own volition, I decided that I wanted to like started attending mass more and stuff. And, you know, I would get, go to church where I was living, but it wasn't the same because the mass would be in English. You understand? So it didn't, it didn't, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. It's just that it wasn't something that I was accustomed because when I would go to, when I was in the Dominican Republic as a kid, once in a while, I would go to church there. You, you understand? And at, at that point, the majority of the religious experience that I had in Catholicism was in the Dominican Republic. Um, as I started to investigate more the veneration of the Catholic saints and I started to pray more and I started to um experience more especially when i would when my parents were going to the city again every latino neighborhood in the city always had a bunch of botanicas in it right and we would pass by the the window of the botanica and i would see and i would see all these statues of these things and i'm like oh my god this is like some of the stuff that i seen in the dominican republic it just started calling me so um when i finally got my license and i started driving into the city myself uh, you know, to go get a haircut or to go get something to eat because I want maybe I wanted to eat uh, Johnny Keke, you know, maybe I wanted to eat something that was familiar to me that I couldn't find or that I wasn't prepared for me at the time. I would actually walk into the Botanicas and I would start looking around and it started making an impact on me. You understand? When I moved to Miami, yeah. when I moved into Miami, I started gaining a little bit more knowledge. Now, at that point, the Cubans were very close to outsiders. So I'm not Cuban. You understand what I'm saying? They treated me nice, but they didn't give me the information that I wanted, right? After, um, and plus I had a negative experience with somebody who claimed to be a Santero. When I moved back to New York and I was going to the city, I had I ended up getting... Um, Getting like a, I was going to school in the city. I ended up going to, I, I took a semester in the city. And when my classes would finish, I would shoot up into East Harlem, El Barrio. And along in Lexington, they, there was a botanica called El Congo Real. And I walked into that place, bro. And that's when, that's where my journey started. For real, for real. Not so much in Miami, where I was living previous. I'm talking when I came back to New York. And the only way I could put it to you is that Catholicism through what I would call the intervention of my ancestors brought me to Orisha. And when it comes to that, I haven't, I haven't looked back since. I can't sit there and tell you that I had a vision of, of one of my spiritual uh, entities or anything. Yeah, like you had a Black Panther moment. You know what I mean? Like they, they, they that, were like, 
they were like, Marcel, this will take the powers of the Black Panther away. <laughs> <laughs> no, that 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 moment came much later on. Okay, got it, got it, got it. So, yeah, yeah, so, you understand? Yeah. So mm. let me let me ask. Uh, since you started this the, the spiritual journey that you're that you're in, and that you was walking this rite of passage, uh, what benefits did you see in your life, in your spiritual being that you, uh, um, that you you know acquired to to the spiritual practice that you're practicing? Reverence of nature. Mm. Becoming more aware and more conscious of your surroundings. Seeing people with a different light. Seeing somebody who may look perturbed to you and seeing that maybe they might have something that's bothering them. Becoming more aware of your own self. If you feel, if you wake up one day and you're feeling a certain way. You understand what I'm saying? If you if you feel like something is trying to manipulate you. When you get involved in these things, you become aware of all that. Yeah. And when you start putting in spiritual work, a lot of things that may have bothered you in the past, all of a sudden you start seeing why. You start Mm. realizing why these things were. And you start realizing that some of the things that you went through in the past were actually messages. Mm, so it was a message why Esmeralda cheated on me. I see. <laughs> I get it. No, let me stop. <laughs> no, I feel you. Hmm. That's interesting. So it, when, you, when you open up yourself, look, I'm going to put it to you like this. Some people shouldn't come. This isn't for everybody. So some people shouldn't, some people should not come into this. If you're not, you know, if you already have a spirituality that's already been defined, if you adhere to traditional religious norms, this isn't for you. You understand if, if, because you're not gonna, hold on, you're not going to, um, you could only end up hurting yourself, right? But there's some people, man, that they're called to it. It just calls them. It did with me. Yeah. You know, I it, 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 I couldn't stop it. It was like, even when I did try to stop it, when I, you know, in the beginning, when I was like, you know, maybe I shouldn't get involved in this. It wouldn't let me go. You understand? Mm. And it, it, it kept calling me and calling me. I mean, now I understand why. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? Because now I have more experience. But, but as a, as a, it, as a young adult. You know, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, as a young adult. You know, I didn't really understand why this was happening. Yeah. And I don't think I could spiritual wise, I'd be I'd be dead right now if I didn't go into this. Got it. I would be I would be alive, but it would be as far as spirituality goes, um, you know, the lights are on but nobody's home. I would yeah. be dull to everything. I got I got a question for you. Um my yeah. mom will call this part um a spiritual system, undong. I don't know if that's a. Mm-hmm. I have no I idea. I don't know if that's a, a religious thing or a spiritual thing, but it's basically in translations like a gift, a spiritual guess, gift yeah. that you have. You know mm-hmm. that you either can see things or you're sensitive to. Um, you're sensitive whenever, to yeah. yeah. So whenever I will go into a, in my nita's houses and shit like that, 
I will always either would tell my mom, be like, oh, yo, uh, I feel in peace. You know, I feel, yo tengo paz. You know what I mean? Or, algo está aquí que yo no sé. You know what I'm saying? Like, something said that I don't know nothing about, or it's, it's heavy. You know what right. I'm saying? And she told me a while back that I have a un don que, like, I'm sensitive to, uh-huh. you know, I'm spiritually sensitive to that. I don't know if that's good or not, or whatever the case is, but I ha- I I did have that those feelings whenever I did go into like certain people's houses, you know, certain places or whatever the case is, and I did I did see that that did kind of save me in a way because after I will feel that heaviness, I'll be like, yo, um, I would just come up with something stupid, yo, I'm gonna have to go whatever, and then later on I will find out something happened, right? You know what I'm saying? So. I don't know if that's uh, if if that's the same spiritual system or whatever the case is, or if that's uh, like that, that that's something that you that somebody should be sensitive. I don't know what it is. I don't know if you got some more insight on that. There's certain people that they have they have this gift. I mean, I you you know, there's people that I've met people that develop it to their full potential, and they're great spiritualists. Okay. I've also met people that they try actively to suppress it because, you know, maybe they might've been influenced by traditional religious dogma, or maybe they might've been, um, they might've had a negative experience because I'm not, I'm going to be honest with you. It's like in all religions, you got a lot of bad people in this. So like, if, if you talk about Pentecostalism, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of bad people in Pentecostalism that are very repressive towards you, but very repressive. Right. And, you know, but there's also probably a lot of good people in Pentecost. I'm not going to rule it out, you know, just because I don't like something. Um, but there's people that they come into this and they, could, they, they, if they're, if they get with somebody who did give them the proper training, they could develop their senses to a point where just by looking at somebody, they could pick them apart. You know, other people might need to go through a protocol, like to go through a formal reading. You understand, yeah. like to initiate to initiate a formal reading, the way they were taught, in order to open up the channel, and see what's with the person, see what walks with the person, see what influences the person is under, and so on and so forth. But there's people, man, that you could be walking on the street, they'll and they'll just stop you, and this has happened to me, and you think that they're nuts, right? But they start telling you things. They call them videncias, videncias. So they yeah. start giving you videncia tras videncia. Mira que tú tienes un muerto que es así. Tú tienes un espíritu que es así. Tú tienes, mira que si tu abuelita, mira que si. It happened to me a few times in, in the church. Yeah, because let me, let me, look. The, we could sit here all night and we could discuss about the veracity of the Bible. Okay, but the truth of the matter is, through certain biblical verses, you can manipulate things. Through, and I don't mean that like I'm not, I don't mean like manipulate one's thoughts, which you can do too. I'm talking about you can. Let me put it to you: What is this? That you could you can manipulate the the spiritual environment in order to get uh, um, in order to get a clearer understanding of the person that you're dealing with. So. What is brujería? Because everybody, oh, que tú eres un brujo. What is, what um, is brujería? The stereotypical, stereotypical um, answer for you, brujería, 
to me, the way I understand it from the church is a a person that is an agent of Satan, a person that practices um, satanism, you know, satanas, you know, and all this other stuff, mm. and, and evilness. And that's what basically brujeria is, for what my understanding is. Okay. Which I know Bruje- that's not true. Which I know that's not true. Right, right. So, Brujería, in its most basic and simplest definition, is the ability to harness and manipulate energy in order to produce a result. Mm. That's all it is. That's all it is. Brujería would be witchcraft in English, right? Yeah, so that is that is all it is. It's the ability to harness. You can't produce it because you can't produce energy. Energy is everywhere. Yeah. It's the ability to harness and manipulate energy in order to produce a result. Mm. And you can use certain biblical verses, the Psalms, for example, you can use certain things to call upon an energy in order to produce an effect on something. Mm. So when, when I see... Going into trance and they're speaking in tongues. What they're doing is through the prayer, they're actually channeling. It's not the Holy Spirit as far as I'm concerned, it's, but it's just spirits. So they're actually tapping into something that's a lot greater than themselves if they're doing they're, it for real. And they're connecting it, connecting it to God. It, they're connecting it to God, but I mean, in my opinion, I, there was a, a biblical verse, if I'm not mistaken, where I think Moses wanted to see God. Okay, yeah. uh, don't quote me on this. I just remember this from from way back. Moses wanted to see God, and God instructed him to look at a mountain. Yeah, and he destroyed the mountain. Mm. And his basic, his and God basically asked Moses, "You still want to see me?" Mm. Okay, I I I look at that as in, in in Pentecostalism and in people that practice this type of thing within the evangelical community, they're tapping into spiritual beings. I don't think they're yeah. tapping into the Holy Spirit because I I don't even know Wait, if such one, a thing even exists. Time, I remember one time. Uh, my mom was, uh, you know, she was practicing, you know, she was, you know, uh, praying and stuff with, with me, mm-hmm. my sister, my younger brother or whatever. And we were in the middle of the living room. And again, the Holy Spirit, I've seen this plenty of times, the Holy Spirit got, got to, toward, you know, connected towards her or whatever. I don't call it the Holy Spirit. I say that she, that she's gotten to the point where she could, you know, um, how can I say this? Uh, she, she can, uh. Uh, what 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 was that word when you uh you just uh meditate okay you when meditate, you meditate okay. or or get to your uh, get to a higher higher uh, plane of existence a lot faster than somebody else because she was connected spiritually you know what I mean that's how I saw it but anyway so there was this one part one time that she was speaking in tongues and then she grabbed me and she told me to repeat the same like you know the same uh, verse. So I could start speaking in tongues. And I was about to start. 
but I stopped myself mm-hmm. because of fear. I stopped myself, and it was really hard for me to stop myself because I wanted to talk, and I did feel something coming over me. Right. And in the middle, she got so heated. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. You know what I'm saying? She was like, oh, how can you stop the gift of God? Da 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 da. Because I, to me, it was scary. It was scary, you know. But my sister didn't stop herself. She, she went into to that trance and to the point where she started seeing visions. According to her, she started seeing things. So, um, I that's the closest I've ever gotten, you know, into anything like that. You know. Yeah, some people, some people can't even stop it. They just fall right into it. So some people can't even stop it, even if they try. Yeah, um, I, 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 uh, I fought myself. I said, "Hell no, this is not gonna happen." <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. you know, at least, at least you had a choice. Some people don't. Yeah. Um, so I don't know how know, spiritually gifted I am. Then I don't know. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, you know, because it's something that I don't practice theologically. I'm not going to sit there and cut it down. So I would say again, what I was saying, what I was saying before is that if you if you put in the work spiritually, even if it's within the context of a Pentecostal um, setting, you will tap into something. Yeah. You you will you will most definitely because it's a part of that framework to begin with yeah. anyway, to tap into yeah. something. So yeah. now, do I believe every single person that goes into trance? No. But there's certain times that you see people and you already know, you feel it off of them, the energy that they're given. So, you know, no disrespect to even though the Pentecostals swear up and down and the other evangelicals and some Catholics and other people will say that we're, we're devil worshipers. I mean, there is no concept of a devil inside of Orisha. It just, it just, just doesn't exist. Yeah. You, you understand there is no, there is no, no central figure African spiritualities are not are not wired that way. Yeah, you understand it, when it you know you could come under the bad influence of something, but it's up to you to make sure that you put yourself right on track. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. I I want to also talking about you know uh, spirituality and Christianity. Mm-hmm. You've um you were part of a live stream where you kind of broke Christianity down to basic. Mm-hmm fundamentals historically and i kept on repeating that same live stream over and over again so i could kind of get the gist of it because i for what my research has found um i and this is for what i believe that obviously christianity is just a a stolen religion that is mixed with other parts of different religions throughout time Jumbled together and made into something. That's how I see it, you know? Um, And also, going all the way back to to my belief, the first religion, which was in the ancient um, walls of Egypt. uh, Right. Was it Kemet or something like that? Um, They call call it Kemet now. Kemet, yeah. So there's a lot of similarities between Jesus Christ and uh, the sun god Ra, you know, a lot of similarities to to the point where you can't even dismiss it, you know. So, mm-hmm. 
even the Book of Dead breaks everything down to to the, its basic fundamentals. You know, even um to the point where in the Bible, the twelve disciples, I see them as the twelve zodiac signs. Jesus right. is the sun, which is in the middle, and I believe his story and in the Bible, everything is um, astrological. You know, even with the day that he died to the point where the day that he rose up again to the day that he was born, everything is astrological. And that's right. how I see it. So if you could give us a, a small breakdown on historically how you did in that live stream, I don't know if you remember it, but if you could do that for us, I'll gladly appreciate it, bro. Yeah, um, the, the in, on that live stream, what people asked was the, if I remember correctly, something to the point of the origin of Christianity. Christianity had its origin with Constantine. I believe his full title was Constantine the Great, who was the emperor of Rome, who when he went into battle, he saw a vision of Jesus, according to him. And his in that battle, because he saw that vision telling him that he would win, he won. So he decided to come back to Rome and to institute Christianity as the religion of the of what was at that time the Roman Empire. Um, before that, the Christians were basically an offshoot of Judaism. So they still practiced um, what were the customs of ancient Judaism at that time. Okay. Um, there were things that started to happen when he proclaimed this to be the new Roman religion. And basically the council, the ecumenical council of Nicaea was where they started to actually um, form Christian doctrine. And these councils kept happening every now and again. I don't remember how many council, how many councils happened in total, but in every council, they would start forming christian dogma and doctrine and what they would do is they would lift things from other religions other pagan religions and incorporate them in christianity that's how we got christmas christmas you know the the ancient romans and i think throughout the ancient world people would always celebrate the winter solstice so they started incorporating things like the winter solstice and even moving forward, the whole thing with the Christmas tree and all that stuff, all that stuff is pagan in origin. The Yule log, all that stuff is pagan in origin. But in the early days of Christianity, what they wanted to do was they wanted to gain more followers. So they started usurping different um, things from pagan religions in order to make it easier for people to convert. So when they started, as the ecumenical council started moving forward and, doc, and the doctrine was being created, um, there were divisions. And after the third ecumenical council, when they couldn't, uh, they couldn't come to terms on the existence, of, on the divinity and human existence of Jesus, a group of churches broke away. So... Those group of churches became known as the Oriental Orthodox churches. So in the, you have the Egyptian Copts, the Egyptian Coptic church. You have the uh, Ethiopian Tawahido church. You have uh, the Syriac Antioch church. So you had already a group of churches early on that are already starting to, to separate, right? As you keep moving forward and these doctrines kept 
um, becoming more and more uh, chiseled out, the, there were bishops in different cities. So Jerusalem had a bishop. Constantinople had a bishop. By this time, the Roman Empire had already fell and it turned into what was called the Byzantine Empire, which was a continuation of the Roman Empire, but now it was Christian, right? So all these bishops started coming, you know, they had, the, like I said, Bishop of Jerusalem, they had, I think they had a Bishop of Alexandria, they had a Bishop of Antioch, they had a Bishop of Constantinople, because the capital of Christendom in those days was Constantinople, which is modern day Istanbul, Turkey, okay? They had the Bishop of Rome. And you had the East, the Eastern Christianity, which was starting to become very strong. And then you had the Western Christianity that was focused in Rome. In what started happening was the Bishop of Rome started introducing his own doctrines. Uh, I believe he was already recognized as what they call the first among equals. So every bishop up until that point had equal status. But when it came to their select group, the Bishop of Rome is was considered the first among equals, right? The Bishop of Rome at that time started, <clears throat> uh, you know, changing things up. And politics got in the way because he didn't really want to take any more orders from the East, Right. And on top of the politics, there was a very important, um, a, uh, how do you say, like a, a very important religious doctrine that he introduced, which at now may seem like something completely trivial, but at that time was very, very, um, was very, very controversial, and it was called the filioque cause. Do you know what that filioque cause means? No, not really. Okay, filioque basically means um, and of the sun, I believe, is that what it means in English. So when you recite the Nicene Creed, um, which I, I forgot how it starts, creemos en Dios Padre Todopoderoso, creemos del cielo y de la tierra, creemos en Jesucristo y creemos en all these things, there's a part when you talk about the Trinity. So the Trinity was the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right, or the Holy Spirit. Um, they, the church, the Bishop of Rome, in order to satisfy something within, I guess, maybe a, uh, 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 a problem that he was having reconciling the Father, the Trinity, he said that the Holy Spirit came from both the Father and the Son. So this presented a problem because up until that point, the Holy Spirit only came from the Father. It didn't come from the Son. You understand? This opened up. So in other words, the, if you look at it, the way that they, that they explain it, the, if you look at the true existence of God, the essence of God, God would, according to the Trinity, would be made up from the Father, who is the creator God, the Son, who would be Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, right? What the Bishop of Rome did was he elevated the Son to the status of the Father, and he made the Holy Spirit subservient to both, as emanating from both. Up until then, oh, in the East, okay. up until then in the Eastern Church, which was the center of Christianity, was the center of what was called Byzantium, the Holy Spirit only came from the Father. 
So this became later known as the Filioque Clause. And because the Bishop of Constantinople told the Bishop of Rome he can't do that, the Bishop of Rome, aside from all the other political things that were going on, basically said, no, I'm going to do what I want to do. And that's when the schism of 1054, in the middle of the Crusades, the schism of 1054 happened. And the Bishop of Rome became the head of the Roman Catholic Church. Now, I want to make sure that people understand. Catholic was used, the word Catholic means universal. It was already used in the Eastern, in Eastern Christianity. And if you recite the Nicene Creed in an Eastern Orthodox Church, you're going to say uh, uh, one Catholic church. You're going to say that at some point in the Nicene Creed. They look at themselves as being Catholic. But through the Roman church, now Catholic became their marker. It became kind of like their word now, the Roman Catholic church. And after, um, from 800 through the schism of 1054 and forward, that Roman church became basically the head of the Holy Roman Empire that lasted until, I think, well into the, well into the 1700s, before it gotcha. fell, before it fell. So gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, there was, there was a whole political, it was political, and it was also theological differences that led to the split between the East and the West. So if you go into an Eastern Orthodox Church now, it's, it's, it's different. It's a lot different. You could go into a Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox. The way that they do their liturgy is completely different than the way that they do it in a, in a Roman Catholic church. Mm. Mm. Would you look at that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I've spoken to quite a few Orthodox priests. And Orthodox priests basically say that, you know, Roman Catholicism basically emanated from Orthodoxy. And that's what I said on the live stream. I say the first Christianity was really orthodoxy, right? Yeah, yeah. Roman Catholicism, the way he put it was Roman Catholicism is our problem, is our problem child, right? Yeah. They don't even talk about Eastern Orthodoxy because Eastern, the Eastern Orthodox, uh, I mean, uh, Oriental Orthodoxy, because they are, I, I believe, a little bit more taught. So Eastern Orthodoxy and Oriental Orthodoxy, which is the Christianity of the Middle East, they're a little bit more tolerant of each other and they're tolerant towards Catholicism, but they look at Catholicism as being inherently flawed. Right. Yeah. And then, but, and, and they're like, and Protestantism is Roman Catholicism's problem. Yeah. You understand, gotcha. but you can't, but you, the thing with modern Christianity, I laugh and it's not that I'm sticking up for Catholicism or orthodoxy. It's just that this is the truth. If it wasn't for the Roman Catholic Church as it became to be known, there would be no Protestantism. There would really be no Christianity today. If it wasn't if it wasn't for Orthodoxy in the East and later on Roman Catholicism in the West, there would be no Pentecostalism. There wouldn't be any Methodism. There wouldn't be none of this would exist. It just wouldn't. I mean, I don't care how you try to you, you, how to how you try to the Anglican Church, Episcopals, or whatever, they, they, they would not, these denominations simply would not exist. Would not exist, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, now, I do I do want to get into something else uh, like uh, later on, but um, you, uh, you took your DNA test, and mm -hmm. I believe 
you you spoke about it here and there, but not not in depth. So right. I want to give you the the opportunity to speak about it in depth. Um, before before anything, what do you, if you don't mind me asking, what do you identify racially? Racially, I always try to check off as many boxes as I can. Gotcha. I mean, I grew I grew up being told that I was black. Got it. Because I grew up in New York, and I don't I don't disagree with that because the one drop rule, even though people are starting to say that it's it's antiquated and stuff yeah the f- the framework of one of white supremacy still observes it very very much yeah and that's, and how, I that's how i see it because uh, white people mind you white people go by it anyway you know i understand that it's a white supremacist uh, a rule we shouldn't apply it yeah but we live in a white supremacist system that regardless however we want to do it that we're, we're still going to b- go abide by that you know right right so you know, and if you study American history, and I know people, oh, but that's American. But still, if you study American history, you're gonna see people that were a light, light, uh, a lot more light skinned than me. And because people knew of their ancestry, they were having problems. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. You understand? Because exactly. people knew, yep. you know, and and you know, truth teacher. I give. I'm gonna give props to truth teacher because truth teacher has been. Um, very vocal component on that. Of, not just very vocal. The, he he's given me insight on things that I didn't even realize before. Right. Um, you look at the case of Plessy. That when Truth Teacher was talking about that Plessy back in the uh, I think it was in the 1800s, he wanted yeah. to go on a train, yep. and because people knew of his ancestry, he was white passing. But because people knew of his ancestry. They, they forced him to go to the back of the. Uh, they wanted him to go to the back of the, yeah. the of uh, of the not the bus of the train where where the other so called yeah. so called colored folk, as they would say back in those days, yeah. were sitting right. So this thing has really influenced me because at around the same time I started getting in, getting deep into my own roots. I started really seeing how the African influence was just shining. It was shining yeah. in the culture. I mean, you, I don't care what anybody says. You can't get away from it. I don't give a fuck if you're blonde hair, blue eyed. You're not, if you're Dominican, if you're Puerto Rican, if you're Cuban, especially if you're Cuban, you ain't getting away from it. Yeah. It's it's too strong. The root is too strong. You understand? Yeah. So, you know, um, I would check off white, black, and Native American. Gotcha. However, now my white ancestry is starting to come into, into question because through the DNA testing, even though I have a good chunk of my DNA that is identified as coming from the Iberian Peninsula, particularly Spain, uh-huh. when I when they came back at me with my haplogroup, with the subclade that I the subclades that I belong to through my father and my mother. Now all of a sudden things changed, and I wasn't prepared for that mm. because through my mother, and I, I showed you proof of this. Yeah, I'm a descendant of the Moors that conquered Spain. Mm. Okay, 
and through my father, my father's origin is is Semitic. And in the last month, I've been talking to people, to Jews that belong to the subclade of the haplogroup that I belong to. Mm. I met one gentleman who I believe is based here in the United States who runs like a, it was like a, a 23andMe page for the subclade that I belong to. He's, a, yeah. he's, he's Jewish. Oh. And through and through him, he put me on to Sephardic uh, Sephardic Jew in Israel. He put me on to a Palestinian Christian also in Israel. He yeah. put me on to a Palestinian Muslim in Jordan. Yeah. I also saw an Ethiopian who belongs to the same subclade that I belong to. And that guy is particularly interesting because he's 98% Ethiopian and I think it was like 2% Levantine. And he belongs to the same sub. So I'm seeing all these Jews that belong to the subclade that I belong to. So it starts making me question things. So um, I was able to find a group. It was like a like a like a support group for Sephardic Jews, and it, it's an internet page. It was a, like, and it has all this info on it uh, regarding the last names of people to see if the last names belong to Sephardic Jews, right? Now, a couple of years ago, there was a list of names that came out that said, if you have this last name, then you're of Sephardic origin, correct? But this, the list of names that they gave, bro, it was every single Spanish name that you could think of. So automatically, you knew that that was bullshit. Really? Wait, like Rodriguez, Ortiz, every, Maldonado? Every, every single Spanish name that you could think of was on this list. The list was bullshit. Okay. Um, what happened was Spain, uh, I believe it was a few years ago, approved something called La Ley de Memoria Histórica, the, le- the law of historic memory, which was in through that law, they were willing to give people who could prove that they were of Sephardic ancestry, Spanish citizenship, therefore they would have access to the whole European Union, right? Okay. Um, so people, which I would imagine were internet trolls or people who were grossly misinformed, started putting down every single Spanish name that you could even think of. Rodriguez, Morales, this and that, without Lopez. any care. <laughs> Lopez, Perez, without even without even vetting. Wow. If 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 it was true or not. Yeah. And so most people knew because I think it was somebody who said, hey, listen, this is not right. A lot of these names aren't even Sephardic to begin with. Right. Um, but I found not too long ago a, a, a page of Israelis in Israel that are Sephardic that have taken taken it upon them to actually correctly identify surnames that really? were associ- that were associated with Sephardic uh, people. Oh, and okay. when and th- not only do they do this, they actually provide the citations of where they got the information that this belonged to to Sephardic people. So yeah. they're looking they 
give you the where the information came from. A lot of it comes from books. Yeah. A lot of it comes from logs because they did they did keep logs of these people's last names because people don't realize it. I shared some information with you, which I'm not going to talk about. Yeah, because that's that's between you, me and the other select group of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because course. somebody questioned what I said on the live stream and said that it wasn't true. And we, while I was researching all of this, I inadvertently stumbled on that information and I sent it to you so I could show you. Que yo no estoy hablando mierda, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I appreciate that. I appreciate it because I, I started learning a little bit more now that after that. Right. So I started looking at the surnames that I know of through my father's side of the family. And over half of them came back as, as being associated with the Sephardic, with Sephardic people, Sephardic Spanish. Wow. Um, Sephardic Spanish. I, what I think what happened was because through this research, because the last name that I have is not Sephardic at all. It is actually a name of that was used in Spanish nobility, and it's rather rare inside of Spain. The name that I have, okay, my la my my surname. What I'm still when as I was doing what's my your, research, your, uh, Spanish surname um, Cam Camelo Camelo Montes. No, no, let me say, let me say. You don't have to say. It. You don't have to say. It. No, no, I'm not. I'm not gonna say it. I'm not gonna dox myself. As I started. Um, looking at the surnames, I was saying a lot of them are associated with Sephardic people. So now I started questioning my own man. And he's saying, listen, I heard rumors, but they were just rumors. Yeah. So I'm like, I sent him all the info. I don't think he knows how to read this. He's an old man. Yes. <laughs> but he, I think he, um, he wasn't, he he didn't sound too surprised when I told, I, I was surprised. Really? I was very surprised. I'm like, I'm like, holy shit. I was oh, like, Jesus. Funny. I was like, well, I was like, wait, 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 hold on a second. I think one of my ancestors took on, cause I heard people actually would pay names. Would, would I'm sorry. Would, would, um, pay money to change their surname. Ah, or they would, or they would, they would marry into a family, and they would, they would, they would adopt the surname of that family in order to avoid expulsion or avoid the Inquisition, ah, torture, and all. That. Yeah, so I'm starting to think that maybe my last name may not have really been the last name of my. Yeah, of yeah, my yeah. ancestors. <laughs> That's funny. That is hilarious. Now, um, I don't know if you want to talk about this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna mention it, and you'll let me know if you want to talk about it or not. Um, <laughs> me and you, uh, privately, um, you've been sharing a lot of disgusting things about the Spaniards and certain group of white wing Spaniards and what they believe. And say about Latin people. Um, right. Would you want to speak about uh, speak about that? Yes, I've been sharing information with you of Spanish white nationalists. Got it. Um, so of of again, the racist people yeah, in Spain. Again, I, not. I don't want to yeah. paint all Spaniards with one brush. I'm not saying this is all. Please, Spanish. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be honest with you. I have met some wonderful people from Spain. Yeah. 
good people from Spain, hardworking people from Spain, who really would take to people like me and would take to any Lat any Latino because of the language and because of certain commonalities. They wouldn't, they were not racist. They were certainly uh, welcoming. You understand? Yeah. I'm only talking about the white racist yeah. people. But at, at the to me, at the end of the day, Spaniards are way different from Latin people. Oh yeah. Well, I mean way different. So we should they, they, be putting them in the same category, you know. But uh I totally understand what you're saying and and obviously what we're talking about is just the right wing uh you know Span Spaniard nationalist type of group. I, I wouldn't even call them right wing. I would just call, I wouldn't even call them nationalists. I would just call them, you know, at this point, they're just fucking a bunch of racist fascists. And they, and, and they, and they, they're present in Spain. Absolutely. They're present in Spain. They've always been present in Spain. And the information that I shared with you shows that they've been present in Spain for a very long time. So yeah, most definitely. I don't want to sit there and indoctrinate every yeah, and, and single Spaniard. Part of the Vox party. Um, well, party? Vox, Vox, Vox likes to play a little game. Yeah. Vox, Vox likes to play a little game because they do have quote unquote people of color, people of African ancestry within their ranks. Yeah. And every every now and again, in fact, the um, one of their head politicians in Catalonia is uh he he's black he's 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 a mulatto but he is black his name is ignacio garrido i believe his name is and he he is a member of vox and he is one of the heads of the party his mother was from equatorial guinea which is the only uh african country that has spanish as a national language it was a colony mm -hmm. of spain at one point okay, okay. so and and Vox likes. I mean, now now here's the thing. It's like when people talk about Trump and they say Trump isn't a racist, but if you look at a lot of his followers, they display racist attitudes. So in Vox, they'll sit there and they'll tell you that they're not racist, and whether they are, they aren't. I really don't know. But a lot of their followers, you will. A lot of the people, a lot of their base, you'll see them throwing up the Sieg Heil. You understand what I'm saying? And you'll see them on camera and on social media exhibit racist attitudes towards uh, Latinos, towards yeah. the African migrants. Yeah. You understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. the, 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 okay. fam the, fam the famous word uh, Sudaka. Yeah. It's something that I heard. I came into contact with that word in the late 90s. I didn't know what it meant. And and it was it was it was explained to me that it was a derogatory word that the Spanish use for people from South America. Mm. You understand? Mm. But again, again, I just want to be very very clear: not every single Spaniard is like that. And I would even I would even go on to say that perhaps the majority isn't like that. Are there going to be people a vocal minority? Sure, but um, the Spanish people that I met, which has been quite a few. They're obviously not like that. And I've had a lot of friends, pe people that have lived in Spain, 
and you know some people have reported you know have told me that they had problems other people have told me that they didn't so it, i i guess when i'm you know it's just that when we see these people on social media and on youtube trying to cling on and and call out the people that they want to be associated with in that country and then you look at them not the white nationalists in Spain. You look at the people who are trying to call them on and say, hey, look, I want to be with you. You're like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get into that in just a minute. Um, I wanted to bring... The reason why I brought this up is because I want us to go down the certain words that they use. And I um, I like to see what words... Because I like, I like when these people use words and, and I like to break them down. You know, um, Nellie Fuller said that words are very important. And if you don't understand white supremacy, then you really don't, you know, then everything else will confuse you, you know? So one of the words that really intrigued me when you presented that to me was sangre sucia. Mm-hmm. That right there really intrigued me. Now, um, can you can let's let's break that down. Let's break let's break that down for a second. Now, why would a Spaniard nationalist, right? I wouldn't call him a nationalist. Just say a Spanish racist. A okay, Spanish racist. A Spanish racist call a fellow a fellow Hispanic, right, <laughs> or mm-hmm. Latino, or whatever. Um, sangre sucia. Now, what is Dirtying our blood, our racial admixture. Ah, there we go. You got to understand something, man. And see, when I mentioned it, you had certain individuals that say that that didn't exist. But I gave you proof again, researching something that I didn't believe to be related. I inadvertently showed you something where. Without a doubt, that's where the usage of the word comes from. Would you say you would you say you are satisfied with the information that I presented to you on the origin of where this comes from? Um, I would say if I was in their shoes, who would question you, I would say is um, you 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 presented me the origin and also where to look that at. I'm gonna do my my research and I'll get back to you. Right. Um. And I encourage you to do your research, but I think I made it very, very clear where I see. I thought that this word, this word, I came across on this word. I came across this word on social media. Somebody had used it and I was a little shocked by it because I never thought of it that way. Mm. It was a person who identified himself as a Spanish white nationalist or a Spanish white racist who came across and used that word derogatorily towards uh, quote-unquote Hispanic or Latino, right? And around the same time, I had seen like um, an investigation of white supremacy in Spain when it came to to the football, to soccer to the yeah. soccer matches and how they would openly display the Sieg Heil in the middle of 
of these matches of these of these soccer of these soccer games and i was shocked to see that it was so open because up until this point i knew there was you know there was going to be racism there well there's racism here in the united states but you're not if you go to a a a public sporting event here in this country and you start doing this kind of shit you're going to get into trouble you're going to you know, people are not going to take trouble. that well. But Real big right. trouble, yeah. Real big trouble. So when I saw that happen, and they presented a piece about how this was impacting uh, the level of professional soccer in Spain, I was like, holy shit. I didn't know. Especially since the people, the men that I saw that were thrown up to see Kyle, weren't the most Aryan-looking fellows in the world. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> they, yeah. These these. these these weren't the most Aryan looking fellas in the world to begin with. So uh, I decided to research this a little further, right? And I ended up on a webpage which was basically like Stormfront, but in Spanish. And in that, they had a forum that was open to the public. I, when I went into the forum and I started seeing some of the things that they were posting, I saw the word being used again. So up until this point, I only th- I thought that this word was used for people like me, the legitimate descendants of Spain who have gone under racial admixture and now have considerable percentages of both African and indigenous ancestry, right? So we're no longer of the pure blood of the pure line. Now, I want to say that I've heard of sangre pura being used in the Caribbean, okay, which would refer to somebody that was uniquely of Spanish and only of Spanish descent. But again, it didn't dawn on me how deep this really went when I was a kid. It didn't dawn on me as a young man when I saw that piece on on white supremacy in Spain and I came across this fucking group, this page and this group, I just thought that was something that was just really fucked up that they would say to people like me, right? Well, it turns out that through the information that I gave you, there's a very long history of this. Yeah, of course. Okay, There's a very long history of this among, in, in Spanish history. And again, I'm not going to give lujo de detalle. The people who I felt needed to know, I sent the information to. But I'm not going to go ahead and break it down because I've noticed that in this YouTube thing, you could come back at people with receipts. But if they're so self-radicalized and so fanatical. Oh, yeah, that doesn't gonna, matter. That doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to that them. Matter. So, which, which, so, goes, which goes to... My next question, and it's gonna be the final thing. We'll start wrapping it up. Um, the these uh, certain individuals that you have encountered here on YouTube, regardless how much information you want to give them, they will still say nope, 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 yeah. nope, 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 nope. So, for example, um, Rancho, I know you and him um, had a back and forth. Antonio Batista. Um, and Dominican Renaissance, right? Again, right. not trying to talk bad about these people, but I want I want to just hear your thoughts 
on them and their ideology because I'm going to be 100% real with you. Uh, Rancho likes to come off as the intellectual, which he's, he's not. And he believes deep down in the core the same thing that Antonio Batista and Dominican Renaissance believes. Uh, I only got into it with Rancho during that one live a couple of months ago on Tina's live and shout out to, uh, Villa Bella by X Tina. Um, don't be promoting other people on my channel. Get out. No, let me, let me, <laughs> let me start, shout out to her. Shout out to her. Shout out, sh- shout out to her. Um, I got, in, I got, I got into it with him because of his, his ideology is very similar to Falangismo. Mm, explain what that is. Explain what that is. Uh, so, so Falangismo is a a very right wing um, Spanish ideology that has its roots in the 1930s, and it became um, dictator Francisco Franco's. Um, it was one of it was one of the ideologies that he used to form what was called Nacional Catolicismo, National Catholicism. Okay, okay. So phalangistas, I've actually been approached by them. Uh, phalangistas believe in not only preserving the dictatorship of Franco as something memorable and something positive for Spain. They also believe that they also want to um, bring back the glory of the Spanish Empire. So the interesting thing about los phalangistas is if you listen to the people that that head that political party, a lot of them actually speak very favorably of Latin Americans. Yeah. Because they say that they want to, they want to um, promote a relationship with Latin America. Now in Latin America, there has been different types of phalangist parties or or partido phalangistas that have come and gone. So the, theolo- the, the, the the ideology is not exactly foreign to Latin America. Now, again, if you look at the followers, though, they do display a racist attitude from time to time, or they might not be very accepting of people who have gone a lot of racial admixture. Yeah. I've noticed I've noticed that with them, they all they like to look a lot at the person that they're trying that's trying to give them support or I'm talking about the base. I'm not talking about the leaders of the party yeah. or the leaders of I'm talking about people in the base. They sometimes will act a little differently from what I've seen if you look a little too brown or if you look a little too Latino, so to speak. Yeah. So his talking points reminded me of the whole Hispanidad because they're very big with that. The phalangists are very big with like celebrating Columbus Day. Columbus's legacy, yeah. promoting, promoting and protecting that. Yeah. You understand and the whole thing. The same way. Yeah. Well, with him, that, that guy, he's, 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 he's on some other bullshit, but that that's neither here nor there. So, yeah, yeah. so um, actually on that, the stuff. that's what, yeah. And also one of the things that he said that actually um, kind of sealed it for me, and I'm not attacking him as a person. I'm attacking the ideology, the ideology as I understand it. Or not even attack. I'm just pointing it out. Is that he seems to be also believe in that whole um, masonry thing? Yeah, that masonry Jewish uh, 
um, conspiracies. You know, yeah, conspiracy things because he calls it jam, um, Ju- Judaic, you know, masonry, you know, all these little, you know, syllable words and stuff. Uh, that yeah, all he, of that, he, he, all of that, he, he does that. It's a conspiracy theory, though. All of that is very characteristic of Falangismo. Really? So the, all of that, yes, they promote anti-Masonry. They promote Catholicism as the national religion. So, so uh, it's Falangismo like a white supremacist type of thing? See, that's the thing. They, Like I said, these people reached out to me because I had written something on an old Facebook account talking about nationalism. And it was public, and they saw what I wrote, and I guess they liked it because they thought it wasn't like I didn't feel like they were trying to recruit me, but they were trying to find out more about me. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I shut them down because I knew I felt that they were basically just a bunch of wackos. Whenever I hear somebody talking about the small hats and the in the whole masonry thing, I mean, that right there, I mean, this country, this country, the United States, and not just the United States, you could look at the Dominican Republic, you could look at Puerto Rico, you could look at Cuba, um, Freemasonry played a very pivotal role in the independence movements of these countries, including the United States. And a lot of people don't know, when the cornerstone of the Capitol, you know, where a couple of weeks ago, a bunch of a bunch of a bunch of uh, QAnon um, idiots tried to amount a insurrection, an insurrection. The cornerstone of the Capitol building, when Washington laid it down, they actually performed a Masonic ritual on it to bless it. What? Yeah, you don't you don't know about that, dude? No, 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 I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. What for real? Washington and I forgot who were the other founding fathers that were present at that ceremony showed up in their Masonic garb and they performed a Masonic ritual to bless that cornerstone. This country's history, the in the, the this country was forged by Freemasonry as as well in, in the Dominican Republic, Juan Pablo Duarte. Francisco de Rosario Francisco de Rosario Sánchez, Ramón Matías Mella, Gregorio Luperón, moving forward to Juan Bosch. A lot of the a lot of our great patriarchs in 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 the Dominican Republic, La Trinitaria, almost every single one of them were Masons. And I'll show you, I'll show you the receipt on where I got this where I get this information. If you follow La Gran Logia de la República Dominicana, you're going to see all the, all the stuff that they post about Duarte being a Mason, about Luperón being a Mason, about Sanchez being really? a Mason. About, yeah. Okay, so don't nobody, if you're going to proclaim to be a nationalist, which I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of these people that talk about being a they, let me. I'm, I'm just going to put it out right now. Whenever you base your nationalism on hatred, on um, making out a other group of people as seeming inferior, your nationalism is no longer nationalism. It's hatred. It's fascism. People don't know what fascism is. Fascism is when you're taking 
you know, a nationalist doctrine, and now you're starting to introduce an ethno-religious component to it. So that's when you start find that's when you start seeing these theories on racial purity, on religious purity. So now it's no longer, it's no longer nationalism. What is nationalism? Nationalism is a person who defends the interest of his nation. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to go hate another group of people. That doesn't mean that you have to promote a superior, a, super, a supremacy of your people in relation to another group of people. Has nothing to do with it. So all these people that come back and they say, well, I'm a nationalist, and they start with the talking points about how they want to cling on to white supremacy or what it seems like white supremacy. They're not really, they're fascists. It's fascism. Now, some people could turn around and they can say, well, I don't care that I'm a fascist then. Well, then fuck you, but call yourself a fascist and stop using the word nationalism. Because there's left, there's like there's right wing nationalism, there's left wing nationalism. If you want an example of that, look at Sinn Fein in Ireland. Sinn Fein in Ireland is a nationalist party, but yeah. it's it's to the left. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So yeah. getting back, getting back to what we were discussing with the Falangismo, anti masonry, the 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 Judy the Judy um. Uh, Judaist, this uh, the Jewish conspiracy is all very much ingrained into that ideology. Now, with the individual that you mentioned, I only got into it with him once. I didn't realize that you and him had a history before my intervention on that live stream. But I came into it and I said what I said because I thought that what he was saying was basically directly lifted from from the Falangista mindset, from the Falangista ideology. And I just gave you the reasons as to why. Anti-Masonry, Judaic conspiracy, Hispanidad. Yeah. These are all these are all components all of Falangist. These are all their talking points. Yeah, because like me and him don't really have a history whatsoever. It was something that I said on um on Twitter that got him riled up that made me going back and forth with him and it just spilled over on that live stream. Yeah, I'm I'm just gonna put out a disclaimer right now. I don't listen to him. Any of the all the people that you mentioned, I don't listen to their material. Yeah. I don't I'm not I'm not subscribed to their channel. Yeah, no, people, um, people send me people send me things about about them and stuff, you know. Um again um it, it just and it's so funny how some of these people they latch on to everything that I say because the what really got him mad is the same thing that got almost everybody mad. And I didn't go viral. I just went viral amongst their group, you know. Um, it's because a Spaniard got um, assaulted in, uh, in the train station or whatever the case is, right, in Miami. And somebody, you know, how I promote black and um, Latin unity. Um, they presented me this uh, article and they were like, um, what are your thoughts on that? Right? So I look at it and I'm like, uh, she's a Spaniard that has nothing to do with us. I 
that don't remember. Took, ticked them off. What do you mean that has nothing to do with us? Da, da, da. I'm like, she's a Spaniard, bro. What the fuck does that have to do with us? Well, and, and, here, and it went off from there. Well, here's the thing. And I'm not familiar with that piece of news. And I, I, that's something that if I should have seen, I don't, and I didn't see, I don't remember hearing or reading about a Spaniard that got assaulted in um, a train station. I read the news frequently, multiple times a day. So where did this happen? In Miami. Um, okay. It was actually, it wasn't, it wasn't labeled Spaniard. It was labeled woman got assaulted by black man, Colombian. Oh. Colombian got assaulted yeah. by by yeah, man in the in the train. The fir- yeah. more detail, I mean, the more research you do, you end up finding out that she was migrated. She migrated from Spain when she was like what four or six or something like that. But she's Col- Colombian. To Colombia. Okay, because th- 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 what I read it as a Colombian woman. They didn't say nothing about Spain. Well, that's what okay. that's, that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. So I did I did the the research and I found out that she she's actually 100 Spaniard. She just, okay. Um, she migrated to to Colombia, and then from Colombia, you know, further on, she she went to Miami or whatever the case is. So I said, she's a Spaniard. Got nothing to do with us. I wouldn't say it's got nothing to do with us. I would just say you're cherry picking something. Oh no! Of course, of course, of course. Because because this this is this is what you're cherry picking an incident where. Races where you want to make race, um, where you want to make it about race. No, of I course. mean, and, and that's the I, thing. I um, they they try to make it about you know something with me. I flip it into something else that I could care less about, and they go bananas. Well, it, it look. I'm gonna put it to you like it, look. Not every person, regardless of color, is a good person. So not every person that belongs to a certain uh, racial category is a good person or or or, not, or a bad person. Not everybody. I mean, unfortunately, Miami. For people that don't know, shit gets really hairy in Miami. You got um, people from a certain category attacking each other and killing each other happens all the time nobody wants it they're not are they going to talk about that you understand if a, if, if, so. if, yeah, if yeah, a puerto yeah. if, a, if a puerto in, in 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 puerto rico who you know do you understand the level of violence that exists in puerto rico no i, I know i know you, you understand do you you know and in the and here in this country people latinos will kill latinos white people will kill white people black people will kill black people oh but if something happens in between the races all of a sudden now race is pushed in the forefront now i am going to say that did did, now do we know that this person that the black guy purposely went oh no 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 no. he he was he was out of his own mind before yeah because that that's what i read i read that yeah yeah before he assaulted her he assaulted Three other people before that, you know, randomly. Right. Um, he assaulted I, uh, a group of. Uh, he assaulted a, a white dude and a black dude that were friends, and then right. he assaulted a random. Um, I think it was a black lady. I think it was, and then he ran to the train and then assaulted her. Right. 
but they're not. But they don't see. They don't want to talk no, about. Yeah, of course, I, 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 I am very. I am very familiar. I am very familiar with with what you because I remember when it was being reported a couple of months ago, and when and a lot of people started in the social media comments started displaying racist attitudes, but you want to know what else happened around that same time period? What? A Latin male, older gentleman, impaled his wife with a sword. God damn! If I remember correctly. Either he, either he, he killed her in some way or form with a sword, from my understanding. And I now I have to look up the news in order to show. In order, so are we going to make that one about this guy? I read that he yeah. was out. That the the black guy was out of his fucking. Oh yeah, mind. yeah, he was out of it. They tasered him and stuff, and he didn't even move. Yeah, you know, he, he was like... he was out of his. Now I'm not apologizing for what he did. But he was out, and it was when it started coming out that this man was mentally ill. All of a sudden, people started to shut up, and nobody would comment on the news anymore. So, if the article was being posted on Facebook, all now all of a sudden you wouldn't see people post nearly as much as they were before because now they're saying, "Hey, look, this guy, this yeah. guy's not right in the head." Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I wouldn't, I, w- I wouldn't go and say that that has nothing to do with us. I think, and especially in the city of Miami. There has been uh, historic. There has been a uh, un uh, roce between Latins, predominantly Cubans, and the Black people. Not necessarily African American, but I'm talking about like there's a lot of Haitians in Miami. There's a lot of Afro Caribbean, uh, Jamaicans, and people from uh, all over the all over uh, the supposed so-called West Indies that live in Miami. People, when they think of Miami, they think of the Cubans, but the truth is, is that the, the Cubans may be the most prominent, may be the more prominent group, and they certainly are, yeah. but there's also a lot of West Indian, a lot of uh, Afro-Caribbean people that live in Miami. Okay? Bah- the Bahamians, very big community in Miami. No, people no, don't course, know. Of course, of course. Um, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. No, so, I just want to say that historically, because it's like New York back in the back in the 50s, you know, my dad would tell me, you know, he would tell me stories about how, you know, he couldn't go up into into certain neighborhoods. So he couldn't go um, into like the Italian neighborhoods. He couldn't go into the black neighborhoods. Yeah, no, I feel you like understand over, over time that changed, changing, yeah. you know, and then, you know, because um, as more Puerto Ricans started pouring in. They black and, and Puerto Rican were basically living amongst side by side, other. yeah, amongst each other. And that's, and that's the thing. I grew up around that. I grew up I mean, around black and Latinos living amongst each other. You know, uh, born and well, raised in, in the Bronx. You know what I mean? In, um, in my in my as I was growing up, especially when I hit high school, and there was a lot more of us, a lot more of black and and Puerto Ricans. We were we were we were a clique. And we were all very deep into hip hop culture. We all had um, a similar ideology. We were all friends. Exactly. You understand? So when some I some of see my black you... friends, they used me to speak Spanish to Poppy, so they could get a discount on cocaine. No, let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> let me stop. No, I feel you. No, but it, we 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 would all hang out with each other, and it wasn't like we were we weren't. Um, racist against against whites it's just that that's the way that it turned out to be 
did we did we get into some racial conflicts with the predominant group? Yeah, but I'm gonna be honest with you. Even though there there wasn't a whole lot of us, there was enough of us where if something went down, we had each other's back. Facts, and that's the thing. So, we're kind of missing that today. Because you know what it is? Because in social social media is giving a voice to a lot of people who really don't deserve to have a voice. Who let me put it to you this way: put if social media gives voices to people who don't deserve to be heard. Right. So when you got maladjusted individuals, okay, who have a habit of twisting and turning um, history and and facts to to fit their own personal narrative, and then they start bullshitting you, they start gaslighting you. Excuse me, they start bullshitting and gaslighting you. All of a sudden. It's very. It becomes very easily easy to manipulate other maladjusted individuals, who will not take it upon themselves to even do the necessary research to validate what they're saying. That's true. We we see we see that we see this all the time where you somebody might make a meme of something that's completely made up, completely made up, and they'll post that meme to Facebook or to Twitter or to Instagram. And all of a sudden, within a day, you find out that it's gone viral. And all that meme is doing is promulgating something that somebody made up. But because nobody questions, and this is a fucking meme. So because nobody even questions what they're reading anymore or what they're seeing and what they're reposting, it's like... um, it's like the old saying, if you keep repeating something, even if it's a lie, it eventually becomes the truth. So there is there is a lack of critical thinking now. People don't know how to critically think anymore for themselves. They're letting other people with nefarious narratives and ideologies do it for them. And if they got a big chip on their shoulder, if they're already heart- feeling a certain way, feeling a little bit racist or feeling a little bit maladjusted, they're going to feed into that negative, that negative energy and that negative ideology. And they're going to think that it's true without even doing their own research. But you know what I say, what did I tell you before about when you base your nationalism on hate Yeah, or, or on, it becomes, it it, It doesn't become what you, what you're saying it is. Yeah. It becomes very obvious that what you're doing is, um, is creating a hateful, narrative that doesn't hold up if you just do something so simple as look in the fucking mirror you could talk all you want about Spain and this and that but the moment you look in that mirror you're not gonna see a fucking Spaniard motherfucker yeah what what are your thoughts on how um, Antonio got got checked by that Nazi? Did you see that that video clip? Well, I thought it was very interesting because now all of a sudden there seems to be this fascination with the Roman Empire. When I came into That's contact with that, I've I've noticed. Yeah, it's moving the goalposts. Is what it is. When I and everybody's doing it. It's not just the quote unquote. Um, Spanish apologists or the wannabe white Spanish nationalists. It's 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 a lot of people are doing it. 
because now you have people who are maybe majority African descent are now starting to put, move the goalposts on who's black. You understand? Or who, who's allowed to call themselves black, right? So with when when I saw that video that, um, when you shared that video with us and I saw what was going on and the guy mentioned the Roman empire, this is something that is completely new to me. This is something that I, back when I came into contact with white supremacy, as I mentioned before, it was Viking culture. It was Northern European culture, the ice culture. This that's, is that, what- That's exactly what I, I was thinking too. This whole new Roman thing is kind of weird to me. Well, uh, this whole new, yeah, it is weird because the Romans, I mean, if you really want to get into Roman, Roman uh, history, they killed a lot of white people too. And they enslaved a lot of white people. And they, I mean, it was ultimately the Germanic barbarians that brought Rome to its knees. But before then, Rome was actively killing these people and trying to take their shit. So I find it very odd that a neo-Nazi is going to sit there and say, well, I'm a descendant of the Roman Empire. Okay? And I see it on comments as well. Like somebody tried to take a shot at you. Oh, radical Roman, bow down to the Roman Empire and this and this and that. Yeah, Roman blood runs in your veins. Roman Roman, Roman blood runs in your veins. And again, I have to laugh at that. Because maybe if you would have told me some shit like this 10 years ago, when I had no knowledge of my ancestry, of my ancestral DNA, I would have seen it being as a very plausible explanation because the Romans did, in fact, um, conquer what was called Hispania. I think that's the word that they used for it. Yeah. And I would imagine uh, populated it and... The people that are there. This is what I I believe, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. This is my assessment on it. A bunch of non-white people taking white supremacist talking points that goes against their own best interest, right? And they're using that to to feel whatever little BS that they want to feel because they got some, certain issues with certain groups of people, right? And they're using that, and while in the same time, these white supremacists that they're using their same talking points with are looking at them like, "Look at these little Negroes," right? Well, well, no, well, it's they they, yeah, they will never be accepted by them, right? And they go up and beyond to prove not only to themselves but everybody around them, look, look how much I hate this other group of people. And and it's so funny. I always find the most vitriolic people who hate blacks, who hate anybody else that goes against their talking points, more hateful than the white supremacists themselves because I feel like deep down they know that they're full of shit and they're just compensating. And this is a way to compensate. They're a walking contradiction. They're a walking meme. They're a meme come to life. Because, the again, what did I say before? If these people, they cannot be at peace with what they see in the mirror. They just can't. They're not what they profess they are. They're just simply not. I mean, they, you know, they try to act um, as white supremacists, but they look black when they're doing it. Yeah. 
think 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 of how ridiculous that is but getting back to that neo-nazi that guy again with the whole roman thing and but then he went and he was making i guess trying to make a point and i think a lot of the older people of that ideology are going to take a lot of issue with the fact that here you got a bunch of uh mulattoes trying to run with their with their ideology and making themselves look like complete assholes in the process yeah because he even said he's like um he tells antonio he goes antonio says wait a minute you're anti-spanish he goes like no i'm not anti-spanish i'm anti-mexican basically saying that I don't see you as Dominican. I don't see you as whatever. I see all of y'all as Mexican. And Mexican to me is all Latin people. That's what he's saying. You know what I mean? Well, the fact that you have a lot of these individuals try to say that, um, like in the case of the Dominican Republic, that it was a, a white country for the first couple of hundred years, that's a com- that's completely... I mean, that's that's just not factually correct. I mean, the Dominican Republic will become the Dominican Republic was the first colony to actually receive enslaved ancestors from the African continent. In fact, even before that, it it received what was the Los Negros Ladinos. Now, Ladino has a double meaning. Ladino is the mix between Spanish and Hebrew that the Sephardic Jews speak. But Ladino also has a meaning of Christianized, Hispanicized Africans that were born in Spain. And the very first Africans to, to actually step on what would become the Dominican Republic were Negros Ladinos. So there has been Black people walking on what would be Dominican soil since its so-called discovery. And that's going to anger a lot of people, but that is factually correct. The first major, not the first revolt, but the first major slave revolt where our African ancestors revolted against Spanish. I'm going to say it loud and I'm going to say it loud. I'm going to say it loud and I'm going to say it proudly because that should be a point of pride for Every man, single Dominican. Man, he's gonna be him. like, you're not Dominican. <laughs> nah, he, no, he, no, 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 no. He's he. That that if you if you're talking about the person I'm thinking of, or the person who espoused that ideology, again, look in the fucking mirror, because you're trying to you're trying to act a certain way, but you look really black when you're doing it. So mm-hmm. getting back getting back to the getting back to the 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 first major. Um, uh, slavery revolt and the ancestors happened on Dominican soil by a bunch of Muslim Wolof enslaved Africans. Yeah. Okay. That was the, that should be taught in every single school of that country. You're right. And it should be a point of pride. It should be Dominicans saying, yo, we got rebelliousness flowing through our fucking veins. Yeah, you're right. But people don't want to look at that. They will sit there and they're going to talk so, about, hey. So let, let me let me ask you, what what do you, because my main mission is to wake Latin people up from this whole European 
you know, uh, um, European uh, history, you know, and all this, this other, this other stuff, um, you know, people like Antonio and uh, Rancho and stuff like that, trying to wake them up. Um, what do you think um, we, we should do as Latinos to actually help other fellow Latinos get them into the right track? Well, to, to, I, first, I want to finish off about the whole thing with that neo-Nazi. Oh, yeah, okay? go ahead, go ahead, bro. Yeah, basically, he um, he showed the hypocrisy of what he perceived to be a completely hypocritical and self-defeating attitude carried out by a group of people that he knows damn well are not representative of the so-called master race. We're mixed. And if you read the literature that I'm sure that that individual reads and believes in, we are the mongrels, which is worse than being pure black because we're mixed. We represent everything that they're fighting against. But I also want to make sure that's understood I just want to get off on a little tangent here because of the whole, I didn't finish the whole thing with the Roman Empire. Okay. So yeah. the Roman, go ahead, bro. Go ahead. the ancient Romans were descendants of the Italic people. Okay. The Italic people mainly descend from haplogroup R. If you look at the genetics of the Iberian Peninsula, the, I've read from anywhere from 60 to 80% of Spanish males carry the Y haplogroup R or some subclade of it as their ancestry. So those could legitimately say, I guess, that they're the descendants of Rome. I don't carry that. And a lot of other people who are like me, whose ancestry is very strong in Andalusia, do not carry that. Because even in, I told you that my maternal haplogroup comes from the Moors, it comes from North Africa, right? My paternal haplogroup comes from the Levant, as I was discussing before. So it has nothing to do with that. So I would be very curious to see which haplogroups, which subclades these people belong to, to try to come out and make these claims as if they're 100% Roman descent, and they're not. And they know they're not. And you could tell that just by looking at their faces. Gotcha. 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 Um, I'm going to have to agree with you, bro. I am. Because a lot of these people claim some, certain things and they're not 100% anything, you know? They're not, they're not 100% anything. Yeah. So it's kind of silly when you try to come and come with this ideology of what I would interpret as white supremacy when you're not even truly white yourself. It's, 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 it is the biggest walking contradiction that I've ever seen. It's, and it's completely antiquated because it does not reflect our reality at all, at all. 100%. You're right. 100%. Yeah. I'll tell, I'll tell you right now. And I wanted to get it to your final question. What, um, what do people, what do you feel that, we can do to wake people yeah, yeah, yeah. up. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, what do you feel like we can uh, do to actually, you know, wake Latin people up? I think that it varies by region. I think yeah. that 
I, I think that what we need to do is we need to become, we need to come to peace in terms within ourselves first without looking towards, we have to accept what makes us up. And we can be proud of, of us, of, of our Spanish ancestry. We could be proud, but you can't be to the point where you want to use that to cut down our African ancestry, because especially those of us from the Caribbean, I told you before, there's no way you can escape it. It's reflected in literally almost every single aspect, even the way that we speak Spanish is heavily affected that is true. That is true. by by Afri by 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 African the African languages that made it to to our Caribbean shores. I mean, you can't sit here and try to cut down that African influence, that African root, when it's so overwhelmingly important. Yeah, yeah. To who we are as a as a as a as not only a group of people but as a nation. Yeah. And as Caribbeans. Yeah. Because there, there, there is, there is no Caribbeans without the Afro. That's true. That is okay. True. So I, I would say that people really need to start to understand that this can't be construed as an us versus them type of uh, type of mentality. Yeah. There, there's, there's nothing to justify it. So you're gonna, so you're gonna be, you're gonna be particularly nasty and dismissive of a certain group of people to bow down and kneel to another group of people who you think are like the greatest thing on, on fucking planet earth. <laughs> no, no. Think about it because they like to, they like to use the word cock, right? Yeah. So you're going to sit there and you're going to completely dismiss a huge part of not only our cultural reality, but our racial reality as well. So you can go and you could kneel before a group of people who are going to most likely be extremely racist to you. And I'm not saying all of them. Yeah. I'm saying that vocal minority that they're trying to look, they're trying to appeal to. Yeah. If you, you understand what I'm saying, or yeah, do I need no, to be a little clearer you. than that? I feel you. Because if you could just, oh, you know, Spanish, the Spanish people, oh, Spanish culture is so beautiful. Yeah. But they're not even, they want to take it farther. They want to appeal to a subset counterculture within Spanish society that is that is completely trash. Yeah. And I say that, I say that they are not reflective of many, the great majority of Spanish people that I met do not harbor those attitudes and will not associate with you if those are the kind of attitudes that you want to display. And, and nor are there the representative of all Latin people around the diaspora. And, 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 and they're not, certainly not. Yeah. Certainly not. Yeah. Certainly not. Yeah, but um, listen, thank you very much. Um, uh, we're gonna start wrapping it up now. Do you want to give your final thoughts? I just want to uh, thank you for. Um, I want to thank you for inviting me. Um, it it means a lot. Um, hopefully that there's. I know there's gonna be people that are gonna talk shit, but I'm hoping that there's gonna be people that are going to. Uh, hear the the contents of this interview and come away with it with a positive attitude, uh, with a positive um, experience, and you know a big shout out to to my Boricuas, a big shout out to my Kikeyanos. You know, um, <laughs> I have I have nothing but love 
for those two countries. And if I ever accomplish anything in life that's so great where people would actually talk about me, I know for a fact that they're not going to be able to start with me until they mention those two countries first. Yeah. The love that I the love that I have for Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic goes beyond words. And I am blessed with being born in this life, carrying those two flags in my heart. Mm, yo, you a poet, bro? God damn. Gotta, got, you got you gotta put that in on a poster and sell it, bro. <laughs> bro, if 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 you wanna see poetry, if you wanna see poetry um for real, if you wanna see moving poetry, if you wanna see the art of poetry. Spend a couple of nights in Puerto Rico. Spend a couple of nights in the Dominican Republic. Yeah, and you're and you're you're gonna you're gonna see some beautiful things, man. Yeah, yeah. You're yeah, gonna yeah. see you're gonna you're gonna see literal poetry come to life. Yeah, you, you're gonna have a fighter. You're gonna give fighter a run for his money. <laughs> uh, what do you mean? Is a run for his money? Why? Because he does he does poetry also. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he does poetry also. The the brother could you know he could he can actually spit you know. Fighter, Fighter's a good dude, man. Fighter, yeah, uh, you know, fighter, and I and and a shout out to Fighter for always being um, welcoming uh, uh, to me on his live streams. Yeah, um, you know, I, I shout out to Fighter because that that that's very very kind of him to 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 give me that sort of respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that and that's the last time you're gonna be um, you know promoting in somebody else on my channel. All right. That, no, let me, <laughs> <laughs> let me stop. Let me stop. Yo, let me get out of here, Marcel. Again, thank you very much for coming in and sharing your wisdom. Um, thank you very much for enlightening the people. Um, if you want to reach Marcel, remember, go to the comment section or you know. Give me a message so I could send him and you guys could correspond from there or whatever. All right. With that being said, I'm going to catch everybody later. Peace. Peace. All right. Now, that was the interview with me and my brother, Marcel. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like, like you guys heard. Uh, you know, if you want to reach out to him, hit me up. I'll send them you know a message or whatever or uh go to the comment section and hit them up and all that other stuff you know what i'm saying so i hope you guys enjoyed it i hope you guys learned a couple of things um not only from myself but for myself and you know we got more better of a better um greater understanding you know what i'm saying so with that being said i'm gonna catch everybody later remember hit me up on instagram and twitter at the same name radical underscore latino underscore also if you guys want some workout plans to better yourself in 2021 go to radicallatino.com and go purchase your workout plans and i'ma leave y'all like i always leave y'all all the time with i rather die on my feet than live on my knees with that being said i'm gonna catch y'all later peace